Welcome to Afroability, a conversation about African business and technology. Today we're going to talk about Reliance Health, the African health tech company. We'll explore the Reliance Health story across the following five areas. One, African health context. Two, Reliance Health's early history. Three, its product monetization strategy. Fourth, its competitive positioning and potential exit options. And then five, we'll end with our views on its overall outlook. This episode was recorded on October 30, 2022. I'm glad we did this episode after InsureTech. I'm ready to talk about Reliance Health and insurance. Why are we talking about Reliance? What do they do? Who are they? It's a health insurance company that provides health insurance plans. That's what they do in simple English. What they say they do is they use mobile phones, telemedicine, and data science to make health insurance cheaper and easier to access for everyone across Africa. So, Yes, sure. Data science, wonderful. Okay, yes. So Reliance Health, aka Reliance HMO, like you said, not to be confused with Reliance in India. We have our episode eight, but that is a... That's a company that owns you. That's an Indian company. This is the Nigerian African one, which is a health startup that offers health services. Completely different, nothing in common, just the same name. Like you said, their tagline is, we make quality healthcare affordable and accessible in emerging markets. Fine. Um, I think when I looked at the stuff they did, I was actually quite surprised when I started to learn more about it. They do more stuff than I originally thought they did. So they say they offer a comprehensive set of health services. So insurance through Reliance HMO telemedicine, and a bunch of other health services through, quote-unquote, Reliance Family Clinics, which is a mm-hmm. network of first-party and third-party physical clinics. And a few things to note about them. They have a B2C model that sells directly to consumers, uh, aka patients, a B2B mm-hmm. model that sells to employers who then buy for their employees, um, and they are the actual underwriter, which um, for people who are not so familiar with the industry means they're actually responsible for fulfilling the claims versus selling it for someone else as a broker. So a, a few unique things. Yeah, and that's a big difference in uh, what we what we talked about. Some we talked about last week. So if you think about, look like an example. Be my health is the one that comes to mind immediately. Like they are not mm. they are essentially a layer, and the actual underwriter would be something in Be My Health's case, something like Alliance Health, Alliance Insurance. Yes. Um, so it's very different from that. Yes, absolutely. Um, they've also also raised a lot of money, a shitload of money, between forty five and fifty million. Um, if you believe pitch book and crunch base, and that's only over the past uh, six to seven years. So they've raised a lot of money. They're one of the most highly funded healthcare startups in Africa. And in fact, when we did our health tech trilogy, we could have bundled them in with Helium and Beeman and 54 Gene. But yeah, yeah, just think about it as in that same class of companies. Yeah, I think not many healthcare tech companies overall, one of the few that got into YC, um, along yes. with Helium. Yes. And they've also raised a lot of money. Wow. Okay. So let, let's do this. We'll do public service announcements, PSAs. We'll do biases, and then we'll start the story. PSAs, founders, operators, investors, we'd love to link up with you, partner with you, drive the ecosystem forward. Email both of us, info at affordability.com. Listeners, join our mailing group. It's on our website. Uh, we send emails every two to three weeks. I send like supplemental stuff to help um, add to the information we already have on the podcast. Um, it's a large purple, whitish button on our website. You can't miss it. Okay, biases about. Um, I was going to say Helium Health, <laughs> but Reliance. It's yeah. about Reliance Health. So biases. Reliance Health. Reliance Health is a parent company. HMO is just a plant. So I feel like I heard him listen to the founder. is like Reliance is a parent company, and it also feels very weird talking about Reliance because it's not Geo. Anyways, mm-hmm. Reliance is the parent company, and they have HMO as one of the obviously their businesses. So mm-hmm. biases. I can be. Somewhat objective here. I can be also at the risk of being a bit too positive um, because it's healthcare. That never happens, don't worry. And it's a white space. I'm not worried about that. It's finer than that. The other other thing that will keep me balanced is we can start to do some back of the envelope numbers 
on on how big it is and how big it might be, and then you maybe that may temper or accelerate your optimism a little, a little bit depending on how you feel about the market. But okay, I'm we'll excited. See. Yeah, so uh, objective to neutral, m- ob- neutral objective. to positive. Neutral to positive. Okay, so middle to positive. Got it. So before I started my research, I would say I was positive because basically um, I want health companies to succeed. We have a lot of health challenges in Ghana, Nigeria, just a bunch of health challenges in Africa as a whole. Almost all the countries have significant issues, which you'll hear us talk about soon. So very positive originally. As I did more research, I shifted from positive to neutral um, because I'm just not sure how well all the numbers work together. Um, I'll give some deeper thoughts on that as we go through the podcast. So basically neutral, but I started positive. Um, just when I saw some of the ways they were charging, it, it, I don't know, mm. it's a difficult business, but that's for, for later in the business, in the, in the podcast. So let's see. Fascinating, fascinating. It's it's yeah. also good to have a differential opinion because if you, good. if we all agree, there's no money to be made. You Set have to be non-consensus. A, oh, that's okay. absolutely true. You have to be non-consensus and right. So it's it's good. It's good that there's a disagreement. I, that you disagree clearly with Femi Kuti, so... That's yeah, if you're, in the, if, you're in the invest, if you're in the investment industry, yes. Um, okay, yeah. okay. So um, any other words before we start the journey together? No, let's, let's, let's get started. Let's talk about it. I okay, think I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, let's I'm, get started. I'm starting more positive than you, which I think is fairly normal at this point. So Really? Oh, wow. I'm, I want to respond, but I'm not going to respond. So that. We'll leave that for later. So here's how we're going to mm. do it. I'm going to talk about Africa health tech context, Nigeria context, Nigeria insurance context. Then Banco will talk about the founders, the early history of Reliance, and then um, I'll come back, I'll talk about their funding, and then Bank will talk about their monetization, product strategy, and then I'll come back again, and I'll Mm -hmm. talk about competition, exit, and then we'll close. Okay, so that's how we're doing it. I'm going to kick us off with some general context about Africa Health Tech. Now, luckily for us, we spoke a lot about this on our episode 14. So go and listen to that episode. We go through the entire health tech sector in Africa. So here's a clip of what we said the last time on episode 14 as a broad intro about health sector in Africa. It's going to be 15 to 20 minutes. So if you haven't listened before, stay tuned, listen. If you've listened to this, you can fast forward a little bit. So Healthcare touches everything. Economic productivity, Mm -hmm. rule of law, how an economy is structured, if it's capitalist or socialist, like it shows up in the healthcare system. Taxation, how good it be at taxation and spending government revenues. It shows up in the healthcare system. It affects it. Mm-hmm. The social contract, the legitimacy of government is granted by the people that it governs or rules. Uh-uh. It's Have really you. it's really about healthcare. And that was my big takeaway from this is healthcare is not this other thing on the side. Healthcare is inside everything else. Um, right. and, and I came into this thinking healthcare is this separate sector. But healthcare is... Healthcare affects everything, almost like healthcare supports everything, and that was an interesting yeah, takeaway. Because if you if you die, then there's not going to be any other thing to do, right? No if, if tech. you don't live long enough, <laughs> there's no need for education. You can't, <laughs> you can't use your you lesson. You can't do death. any transactions <laughs> if uh, if you're dead. That doesn't help, uh, right? In the right. Economic economic system. Yeah, I I saw some interesting information, which may be a good starting point here. So the health tech sector received about two to three percent of VC funding in 2018. Africa VC funding, yes, yeah, specifically, I was like, wow, basically closer to zero. And then in 2019, it rose to about eight or nine percent, so pretty low. I'm sure uh, 2020 will be higher because of COVID, but regardless, it's been a underfunded relatively compared to other parts of of tech. And one thing we'll get to on this episode is what are the right business models? Like, if it's right. profitable, is it profitable for capitalists and entrepreneurs or can it entrepreneurs and household versus is it just mm. a good thing for the government who's investing in overall productivity in a, the way a rising tide lifts all boats? Um, 
That's an right. interesting perspective right. I think we should, we should touch on, or we'll touch on. Even in quote-unquote developed countries, developed markets, there's still a big healthcare question and how can health tech help? It's just the kinds of questions they ask are a little bit different. So, of course, this is an Africa tech podcast. We'll focus on the Africa developing market side of it, but it's interesting to see the other side of the coin. It's still not fully quote-unquote solved, even in other areas. It's, it's very easy to say that healthcare is not as good as it should be in Africa. You don't get any points for that. That's fairly obvious. Right. The pernicious or the evil part for me is that like Africa is dis- disproportionately negatively affected by this healthcare. It was significantly under-resourced. So Africa has 25% of the world's disease burden, but the share of global health expenditure is less than 1%. Share oh, of workforce wow, okay. is less than 3%. So a quarter of all sicknesses oh. are in Africa, but we spend only 1% uh, to treat them. Wow. Even worse, it manufactures less than 2% of the medicines consumed on the continent. So we get, sicker mm-hmm. than, we get sicker than everybody else. We spend way less than everybody else. We have fewer mm-hmm. healthcare workers than anybody else. And we manufacture none of the stuff that we need to get better than anybody else. We have a lot of very detailed stats, but, but one that's like overarching is what is your life expectancy at birth? Because it combines how long you're likely to live based on likely getting diseases. And the data is um, interesting to, to say the least. So... Let's start with China. China is 77. So if you were born in 2018 in China, you expect to live to 77. India is 69. Kenya, 66. South Africa, 64. Sub-Saharan Africa, 61. And Nigeria, 54. Yikes. The Nigerian 154 means I'd be more than halfway past my expected life if I were born in Nigeria. So it's a little bit unfortunate. Um, I guess one good thing about the statistics is they've all increased a lot since 1960. Yeah. It's just the Sub-Saharan and African ones are increasing at a very, very slow rate. The China graph shoots up but it shoots up a lot it used to be closest up sub-saharan ones in 1960 now it's way higher mm-hmm. did a podcast on healthcare in the u.s trust me you get a lot of metrics about how bad things are and they're not great in the u.s yes. it has own issues as exactly. well but it's almost like if you think about yeah kids die we lose infant mortality is high we lose a lot of children in childbirth insane the volume half of all the children under five would have pneumonia diarrhea measles hiv tuberculosis malaria in africa right? Mm. 11% of the world's population, 60% of the HIV AIDS cases, right? 90% of malaria cases are in Africa. Um, river blindness, leprosy, wild polio. Yikes. It's, it, it's just all these things are, affect Africa and Africans a bit wildly. And even within the countries, you, you start to see a disparity. That's the thing that I took away. It's just like, yeah, everybody right. gets sick everywhere. But when right. we get sick, we get sick. Um, yeah, that nine zero. Did you say the malaria one was ninety? Ninety, ninety. That's what happens yeah. when I was when I was in Lagos. I had a colleague of mine who was from Europe, had mm. malaria. It was like the end of the world. By the way, if you're in the US and you go to hospital and tell them you have malaria, just know you're getting ready to be quarantined and get like six months of work. They don't, they don't play that kind of play here. They don't go somewhere and say you have malaria. <laughs> you tell the doctor yeah. you have malaria. The first thing is, doctor will go on Google yeah. and be like, what the hell is malaria? What should I do? Oh, they know, no, no, they, they, they know it's malaria, but they're just going to make sure you stay the hell away from them. They'll quarantine you, treat you, and then deport you is what they're going to do. That's fine. Um, so who's going to invest in malaria if not Africans, if 90% of the cases are in Africa, right? Yeah, no, it's bad. Uh, so, so more information, infant m- mortality rate, which is basically the number of infants that die before reaching uh, one year of age, so yeah. before they reach one, and it's per 1,000, so not per 100, per 1,000. Yeah. So Nigeria, so basically the lower the number is the better, obviously, because fewer children would die before one. So Nigeria is 74, that's the worst. Sub-Saharan Africa is 52, Kenya is 32, India is 28, South Africa is 28, and China is 7. Yeah. So uh, as with the stat before, they've all gone down, from the 60s to now, again, it's just like African countries are going down at a much lower rate compared to compared to China and India. Infant mortality in the U.S. is, I think, 5.8, right? 
in, in Scandinavia and it's two and a half, two point five or two, right? So even in the US is there are a lot of lots of research on reducing infant mortality to, to match like Europe or something like that. But people are dying of way different causes in Africa than they are of in the US. So infant mortality in, in Africa, 40% of the cause of newborn deaths are infections. Avoidable. Avoid avoidable, right? In the US it's preterm births and birth defects. So Basic things that we're starting to understand and this whole category of why is the baby born deformed exactly. and why is the baby born before term or low birth weight and right. things like that. We have those issues, but we just need to solve like neonatal sepsis, for example. Like those are the kind of infections yeah. that are affecting things. So even though we have infant mortality as a shared problem across the world, right. the US has to solve it in from us. So the takeaway, I think of the context of why it's important is that we Africans have to invest in an African problem. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just bad. Let's blow through a few more statistics. Uh, maternal mortality. So the number of women who die from pregnancy-related causes, either while pregnant or within 42 days of pregnancy. So, of course, this number should be as low as possible. So fewer women die. Nigeria is the highest, 917 um, per 100,000 live births. Sub-Saharan Africa is 534. Kenya, 342. The world average is 211. India is 145. South Africa is 119. China is 29. So China 29, Nigeria 917. So China is not even a developed country, but China's what is the math there? 550x? Yeah. Oh man, it's it's bad. Yeah, so it's 50x lower. Yeah. Damn. You look at no, number of doctors by 1000, insurance penetration. Like it's just yeah. This doesn't happen. Like Nigeria's health insurance scheme covers less than 3%. South Africa spends way more on private health insurance than anybody else. Yeah. Covers only 16%. Um, I think Ghana is like 20 to 30%, depending on who you ask, right? So yeah. it's insurance pressure is not high. I, I I don't know if that's the right metric because everybody gets healthcare from different different places. Right. Um, but still. But still, it's like, I don't know. You have to have something. We spend way less. Healthcare spending per capita, quiz time. Yes. So, yes. so Nigeria spends I, I, I have to uh, $74 per capita, right? Kenya spends $76 per capita. So per citizen, overall, the spending on healthcare uh, divided by the number of citizens in the country, how much is it? So Nigeria is four dollars Kenya $76. How much do you think India is? Higher. <laughs> no, wrong. Lower. 70 Now, oh. <laughs> Morocco, 161 The US, how much? How, how high do you think the US is? Way, way, way Give high. me a number. I, I, know, the, the I know the US spends e- even more than... European country. So you said Nigeria was 74, 7 and 4. Yeah, 7 and 4. U- US will be uh, per person per year. Yeah. I'd say 100x higher, uh, 7,000. 10,000, even better. Oh, so good. I'm so, ah, oh, that's so good. I'm, I was close. This is the thing, right? If you look at healthcare in Nigeria and India and the spending, one thing to tease out here, and you see this not just in Nigeria versus other emerging markets comparison, but even within Africa, is the inefficiencies right. are very different. So it's not so much about yeah. the amount you spend. So you're putting into this machine that is generate that is generating something terrible on the other end. Where you spend seventy dollars in India, you have marginal you have not marginal, you have better outcomes, right? In yeah. some of these metrics at least. But you spend the same amount in Nigeria, you don't get the same kind of outcomes. Because it depends on how it's spent. Public healthcare, private healthcare, exactly. primary healthcare, community health workers, midwives. It just it really depends on how it's spent. And the right. the right. engine has to be right. Yeah, it's like working out in a shitty gym for six hours, working on a good gym for an hour. Yeah, six hours is more than an hour. But like the thing about the dollars, it only gives you a slight view of the output because it still depends on what happens in between. It's an input metric. I agree 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I I found (laughs) there was a questionnaire that was put out to some sub-Saharan countries in 2015, 2016. And it basically said, 
out of these six areas, what do you think is the most important priority for your country? So it was healthcare, education, agriculture, infrastructure, and then general government effectiveness. Ben which do you think was seen as the highest priority area? General government effectiveness. No, that's what I think. <laughs> the, the second. Oh, healthcare. Healthcare. Interesting. Was first. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It, and it was first in every single country apart from South Africa. In South Africa, it was second. But, so a, a lot of people think like healthcare is a big issue for, for their countries in Sub-Saharan Africa. What would the specific issues with healthcare in Africa be, right? So first is talent. Like we have Africa yes. has a shortage of healthcare workers. We have less than 10% of what we need for primary care. Um, second is brain drain. Um, I've seen yeah. there are 8,000 Nigerian doctors in the U.S., I'm not surprised. Yeah. And, and those two even have a lot of overlap, right? The talents is because of the brain drain. Yeah. Lack of talents because of the brain drain. Yeah, there's 35,000. Yeah, exactly. There's 35,000 in Nigeria and there's 8,000 in, in the U.S. 8,000 Nigerian doctors in the U.S., right? And if you think about like the pandemic <laughs> and like COVID and, um, and Ebola and number of doctors, like 136 for 6 million people in Sierra Leone, 0.2 doctors per oh 1,000 in Ethiopia, 0.1 per 1,000 in Uganda. It's not yeah. even... They just we don't have enough doctors or healthcare workers, right? Uh, the doctor sure. stat is a bit misleading because people don't get healthcare from doctors. Um, mm-hmm. but, but it's, still, it's, it's representative. It's, it's, it's representative, right? Yeah. The, the, the second is like the other challenge is infrastructure and logistics. So I once worked on something like called this like the concept of a cold chain. So a cold chain is a temperature controlled mm-hmm. supply chain. Um, on on um, to, let me read this definition. An unbroken cold chain is an uninterrupted series of refrigerated production, storage, and distribution activities, along with associated equipment and logistics, which maintain mm. a desired low temperature range. The Nigerian in me heard that and I just like panicked because look, all these requirements <laughs> seem like stressful. Um, you need electricity. You need electricity. You need roads. <laughs> you need trains. Like you need temperature-controlled vans. And a lot of right. vaccines and drugs have to be developed. A lot of the things that you take as six months as a vaccine as a newborn have to be delivered in coaching to remote areas of the country. So you're depending right. on a lot of, of different things to happen, and that's hard to get done. So a lot, millions right. of dollars of these vaccines, by the way, just get thrown away. Like, I, I'm, I'm not so surprised. That's why, I guess, in 20 or 30 minutes, we'll talk about drone delivery, which at the time I was like, oh, this is ridiculous. But as I read more into it, I'm like, man, this is not such a bad idea. So there are ways around that. The problem is like, at the end of the day, is the primary solution to fix the core infrastructure things or to find ways around the infrastructure things? Or to change the business model. I'll give you a quote. The quote, Alice Cola. If you can get cold Coca-Cola and beer to every remote corner of Africa, <laughs> it should not be impossible to do the same with drugs. I was like, fam, there's always cold beer though. Like, yeah. we can have cold cold, uh, cold vaccines, cold TV, <laughs> TV yeah. drugs. I don't know. Do you, remember, do you remember if you had insurance? You had insurance when you were in Nigeria, right? When you worked in Lagos. I had insurance, yeah, through, through McKinsey, but I never had insurance privately. Did you? What What about before that? Did you have any health insurance? Never. I've never had health insurance in Nigeria before. Never even considered. Never came up. Yeah, it's interesting because penetration is so low. It's very common to pay out of pocket. That's been my like. I remember being being sick in high school and paying out of pocket or being having to be hospitalized once. But it, it was never even an option. That's why when I saw some of the stats, though, like two to three percent of people have insurance. I'm like, who are these two to three percent of people? I guess maybe their employers provide it. But even when I was growing up, some employers didn't even provide insurance for my uncles and aunts. I'm sure it's changed now. Yeah. I grew up a long time ago, but insurance was <laughs> definitely not a thing. Public sector employees sometimes have insurance. Yeah. I thought that the out-of-pocket, the predominantly out-of-pocket nature, at least of Nigerian healthcare, is a very interesting yeah. in contrast to, to, say, something like South Africa or Algeria, which has mainly um, 
public healthcare systems. I thought that whole like uh, mm-hmm. dichotomy is interesting. Like people expect to pay out of pocket, expect it to cost mm-hmm. you something every time you go to the hospital, which means yeah. like some of these stats could even be underreported. There are a bunch of surveys, um, not surveys, research, and the research are trying to figure out the top problems in health sectors in African countries. And these are the reasons they found. So what are the top four problems facing the health sectors in African countries? First thing is inadequate human resources, basically what Bangkoli said, talents. The second thing is insufficient budgets allocation to health. The third thing is poor maintenance of the healthcare system infrastructure. And then there's a long list of uh, long tail items, leadership and management, financing, service delivery, and my favorite one, lack of political will. (laughs) They're just not going to do it. Okay, so coming back from that clip, um, that's the general context about Africa Health Tech. However, we're going to give some more specific country context about Nigeria from a country perspective and some specific subsector context about insurance specifically. That's because Reliance has been in Nigeria for almost all all its history. um, And it's been in the insurance business for almost all of its existence. So dual deep dive on the country and the subsector of insurance. Again, I'm so glad we have so many episodes. Again, we spoke a lot about insurance in Nigeria in our episode 57. Um, so go and listen to that episode. Here's a clip of what we said the last time about Nigeria and insurance. Okay, let's talk about African okay. insurance. I want to just make sure I hit the high points. Insurance penetration is low. Premiums are yes. very little. I saw, let me just yes. read this sentence. Total insurance penetration in Africa was 2.9% in 2018. Very low. Of the five billion, like zero, yeah. Of the five billion dollars in premiums issued in 2018, up only five percent year on year. Premiums in Africa are only one percent of the distribution of the premium volume, and eighty percent for enterprises oh. and twenty percent for individuals. So again, like I said, it's and all also, businesses, and it's Africa. And, is a and you also said premiums. earlier that South Africa is most of it, right? So if you take out South Africa, it's even lower than the two point something. So the exactly. weighted average of the rest of the continent is exactly. tiny. South Africa is eighty five percent of the total insurance market in Africa. 85. Lord. Brings Lord. up. So the math is. Brings up the average. 0.15 times 2.9. So it's basically zero. Let's just say zero. Yeah. Every other, it's mostly zero in every other con- yeah. uh, country. Okay. Yeah. No exactly. surprise. We, we said the same thing in health. Yeah. We said the same thing in education. So it's like a consistent yeah. thing. And 5% is bad, but not as bad as, I guess, a bunch of other metrics, like say life, life expectancy or inf- maternal mortality, where it's 10% in. France and Denmark, 9, 10, 11% instead of what it is in the West. So 10 versus 5 is not yeah. the worst gap we've seen in Africa versus OECD metrics ever. I just want to... Correct. I want to flag In that. fact, if you ask me, I care way less about this stat because it's indirect, right? Yeah. What, what would be more direct is life expectancy for health, infant mortality for health, educational achievement for yeah. education. It's fine, but... Not as bothered, to be yeah. honest. I know that sounds like a bad thing to say. I just feel like it's a very indirect metric. Yeah. And it doesn't directly tell you, what are you really trying to measure? You really care about the welfare of the people and the direct ways to yeah. measure that versus indirectly saying, do they have insurance to prefer, to protect their welfare? So yeah. it's not good, but it's not as negative. Did the health it's correlated. Really nasty it's correlated. It's, if you're healthy, you cannot, if you have money, you can eat good food. Some people that have money don't <laughs> eat good food. Cool. So if you look at insurance penetration across African countries, right? South Africa is mm-hmm. 14%, Kenya 2%, Namibia 7%. South Africa and Namibia are like the outliers here. But if you, Lesotho 6%, so there's a bunch of stuff there. Nigeria 0.3%. Which if you think about it, right? <laughs> 1 billion people in Africa, 200 million in Nigeria, then 0.3%. Okay. Just dragging down the average. South Africa is trying their best. Like Atlas okay. with, the, with Africa on their shoulders and Nigeria just no insurance. Yeah. 
Yeah, as Atlas is holding up the world and Nigeria just stomps. Yeah. Stomps on Atlas. So yeah. the summary here is not a lot of insurance penetration. Outliers are South Africa, Lesotho, Namibia, smaller. South Africa accounts for 85% of insurance premiums. Most of the insurance that's available is business insurance, not even personal insurance. It's barely a thing. It's very low in many different countries. Let's talk about the, the challenges of... I'll talk a bit about the oh, challenges. Oh. Yeah. Question, before the challenges, do you have any personal experience of insurance as someone who spent a lot of time in Nigeria, uh-huh. either when you were a kid or your parents or your uncles or sisters or friends? I've been in a car accident okay. in Lagos before, and right. I don't even remember even attempting to claim. I think I tried to claim insurance. They just kept sending me paper and paper. And I was Wait, like, you were driving. You were the one driving. You were in an accident. Yeah, I was driving. I was in an accident. I don't even remember okay. what it was. I just knew that insurance was not helpful at all, which is let me ask you. Let me ask you a question. Did you have insurance? Hell in yeah! Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Did you have actual me. insurance? Yes. So, okay. So in Nigeria, for the context of the audience, I always had insurance, but some of the time was insurance that I just got from a guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> the guy? so I think what I'm is trying to distinguish is Nigerians don't even care about getting the insurance. They care about getting the paper no, that stops them. Stops them. Is- Getting checked from insurance so you can pay a separate premium. I'll, I'll At least you used to be able to. I don't know if that's the case now. I haven't driven in Nigeria many years. Okay. I'll tell the story about yeah. you're trying to cover up the truth. So this is how it works tonight. You want to get insurance. No, this is how it used to you work. Get... Fine. I'm talking about at least 10 years ago. You can actually go and get insurance with an insurance company that gives you claim and coverage, or you can get a piece of paper. <laughs> That says you have insurance. You have insurance. And the paper can say anything you want it to. You just need to pay. You have <laughs> comprehensive insurance that covers the road. No deductible. That covers the road if you have accidents. You also no fix the road. So yes, I think my experience on insurance so. in Nigeria has not been positive. I don't know. I had actually had good insurance. I don't even know what happened. I think I, think I called them once or Would twice. Did you ever file a claim? I think I tried. I must have tried. I must have tried. This was maybe 10, 12 years ago now. I must have tried, mm. but I just ended up just going to the shop and fixing Fix it, it out of myself. pocket. Yeah. And just be like, look, I need to be driving this car before they say one thing or the other. But I haven't had any positive. Have you ever made an insurance claim in Nigeria in general? Yeah. So I, I guess my story is way shorter. I never filed an insurance claim because I had a paper. <laughs> They said I had insurance, but I never actually had insurance. So there's, there's sort of nothing to file in my case. It's just like wild. pay out of pocket. I legit had insurance, man. But yeah, I'm a Nigeria. They, they've shown anybody that believe. Imagine somebody paying premiums with old Naira at a different valuation of dollar. Just give me the premiums <laughs> back. The, Nigeria will embarrass you. I, I want 60. Any, Nigeria will embarrass okay, you. Fine. Anyways, they're not telling you they want okay. to pay you. That's one of the things you talk about when we talk about the challenges for insurances. Market volatility, exactly. right? So you're telling me to give you insurance that pays out, I don't know, 10 million naira in the case of an event when inflation is 20% and the valuation is 40% year on year. And uh, you will not give me 10 million naira last year is not 10 million naira this year. It's 10 million naira two years ago. It's not 10 million naira this year. It's a complete world apart from an import, largely not import dependent, but largely import dominated economy as far as consumption goes. That's one reason people are like, wait, I'll pay you. What is it? A 10 million naira insurance policy is not what is all it's quite up to be because prices are changing and mm. going up so quickly. That's one, one, mm. one challenge of that as well. Very uh, interesting. Yeah. I, I guess I'd never directly thought about it. I wonder if you're a business, you get an insurance, you can renegotiate it on the back end if the situations change. If you're a person, you're screwed. Yeah, but this uh, episode is mostly about yeah. regular consumers. But if you're yeah. a business, you probably have more leeway to do renegotiation. Yeah. 
It's also the challenge of the same thing happens with a slight tangent, but with savings as well, because it's with inflation happening very quickly. Why are you saving? It was the logical thing to do. You were arguing about with it. You were arguing with me about on the last episode. The only logical thing is to convert your money to dollars as quickly as possible. Every other option doesn't make any sense. Like literally, oh yeah, the U.S. has not even the U.S. has historically low inflation right now, so that's pretty good. It's going to protect the. You're, you're suffering from a specific bias, which I'm not even... You are suffering from like, a specific bias as well. No, I'm not. I'm not. The data shows U.S. inflation is 2 to 3%. That's the historical average. You're just you're following the news and worrying about 2022. Nigeria's inflation is 18% per year. And devaluation is even worse. So convert immediately. And if you had to pick euros, dollars, pounds, yen, you would pick dollars. Anything, any, anything but Naira. Fam. So you're talking about challenges. Yeah, so... Enforcement is a challenge. For example, we don't have a centralized system where the police will stop on him day when he's driving his with his jacked up insurance card, and there's no way to confirm <laughs> if it's fake or not because it's a legitimate wait, looking card but not linked to no an actual policy. No one said anything about fake. We hold on. What do you mean by fake? I never said. You know, I said fake. fake. It doesn't have a policy. Uh, it's a card without a policy. <laughs> <laughs> this is a definitional issue. I have the paper says I have insurance. Okay. That's all that matters. Okay, good. Anyways. Enforcement was not very strong. It was very difficult for many different reasons. Technical There's no centralized database. Yeah. Tech- police officers can't check to see if I have insurance. So. Yeah. They, they look for the paper. And if you have the paper, technical <laughs> human capital, you have to have people right. to do claims adjusting and underwriting risk and understanding risk and actuarial tables. It's a whole industry. Ooh. So that comes back find into the story when I talk about South African stuff. It's actually... Yeah. That's very relevant. How like do you find those people? Yeah. I remember when I first started working in South Africa, I meet somebody who's an actuary. What's that? I just met a lot of actuaries yeah, in South Africa. good at math. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's a real job. Coming back on top. Yeah. And we'll talk about this, but what it would take for startups to, for insurance to become more widespread. But now let's look like, why, is it, maybe this is a question that comes as assumption. Is it true that it's not attractive for startups to do Insurance. We've talked about ACO. We've Ooh, talked about yes. ACO does primary uh, insurance itself. Policy bazaar. Primary insurance yes, itself. Yeah, so they are yeah. full stack insurers. There's a tech yeah. part which makes sense. Anybody can not anybody. Interpret entrepreneur can build an API that helps them do stuff or connect them to other systems, centralized mm-hmm. data. I think that's mm-hmm. very clear entrepreneurial opportunity. But to do the actual claims underwriting and go to the value chain, is this not for startups or is it just for like somebody who's been doing insurance 20 years, gets some funding, starts a business? Is it business for experts? What do you say to that? I say that if I were interested in getting in this space, I would think of like a partnership strategy. So you could like, like lipstick on a pig, right? Find a partner that does all the back end stuff and then figure out a way to pitch it. So you don't have to do all that. You actually need like human capital. Now, what do you bring? You bring so it's not a startup then. Stuff. So you can't just be, you can't be two 22 year olds in the fourth year of, of LASU engineering and building and full stack insurer. So yeah, the way I would think about doing it is getting partners to offer different pieces of the stack and then I'll figure out what part of the stack makes the most, m- most amount of sense. And if you're younger and less experienced, you'd probably be in the parts of the stack that don't need the so actual di- distribution. So Be My Health Pro- basically probably. build this layer that on the, at the top of the layer is the telcos, at the bottom of the layer is Alliance right. Insurance and they build this <laughs> unique thread where sometimes they sell directly themselves and you can buy BMI health insurance, but you buy it through, I think Tigo Health, it used to be yeah. then. I don't know. Somebody from Ghana is going to correct me. I, I mean, it, it makes sense. You start where you can start with the easy part and then you build up later, later when you get more skills. That's what I would do, but I'm not interested in the space. Insurance is messy, Shao. 
that's one thing that you know because even for the insurer because for the insurer do you have to believe you pay and you get your money back for the insurer is you have to the risk management function is a super detailed technical thing yes. that is the same if you're doing it for 10 that's another thing that's complicated is the risk management is the same if you're doing it for hundred thousand dollar of premiums you collected or hundred million dollars of premium you collected <laughs> Your math better be tight someone either asked, way because if it's wrong, fam. You're out of business. Someone asked Warren Buffett, would you mind spending $10 billion on a claim? Warren Buffett was like, oh yeah, I don't mind, but it depends on the premiums. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> number one. And then number two, very smart. He said, I wouldn't mind losing $10 billion if we thought it was within the range of losses. Yeah. Not if we thought we we're going to lose $40 million, and then it's now $10 billion, and the whole company's bankrupt. Yeah. So I say it jokingly, but actually risk assessment managing the capital loss expectations. It's like an interesting business, but it requires some expertise to figure out all the math. But people, those people exist now. There's insurance, WAPIC insurance. Of course, actually, it's like yeah. a proper pro, pro, They exist job. in Nigeria yeah. now. So yeah. why are they not doing startups? Start startup businesses, you have to be able to tell okay. stories and collect okay. money. Those guys are about doing okay. business. Let's talk about... Okay, so that's a lot of clips. We're finally, finally back to the actual live segment. I think the summary of all the stuff you've heard us talk about in those two clips is the status of healthcare in Africa is tough. There are a lot of challenges. Infant mortality is bad. Life expectancy is bad. We all know that. Insurance, pretty low penetration, 1% to 3% yeah. across Africa. If you take out South Africa, it's basically close to zero across most African countries. Nigeria is the same. Nigeria is not atypical. Um, because the health stats are bad, almost no one has insurance. What that means is almost everyone ends up paying out of pocket for health yeah. expenses. For health expenses, I mean, which means they're more likely to delay it or not get proper treatments at the time when things originally happened, which may make the health situation worse. Um, so, Bankley, any thoughts yeah. either about general health stuff, Nigeria insurance? We've, we've already spoken about it in the clips. Anything you want to add? I yeah, think that the data, the data is clear. People don't have insurance and people pay out of pocket. Right. I also think one thing that is interesting when I talk to people in different, at home, back at home in Nigeria or the emerging markets is, I feel like in the US, when people tell you they're leaving their job or they're doing something else, you always think about, but what about insurance? It's the first thing. It's just common sense. It's like, <laughs> oh, I'm, start, I'm starting a business. Way, yes. Oh, it's America. It's like, thing. yeah, I have a startup. It's like, okay, so what are you guys doing for healthcare? We have yeah. two employees on a PowerPoint deck. Yeah, but healthcare though. Um, <laughs> Thank God for uh, so, and ACA. So, yeah, so it's it's much more central. I don't think many major markets think about it that way. Many people expect that healthcare should be paid for out of pocket, at least young people, which mm -hmm. is a very strange thing. So you have to like almost force people to get insurance, I find. And people don't yes. think they need it. So it's a very interesting thing. Versus say in the US, people would be like, man, I need insurance, but I can't find the right one for the most part. I would say there's a more widespread in Nigeria, for example, that, oh, I don't, if I get sick, I'll go to the doctor and pay for XYZ versus yeah, that. And I thought that's a very different mindset. Yeah, America has probably the most expensive uh, healthcare costs in the world. So understandable. And even as a kid, I said this a little bit in my clip earlier, but growing up, I don't think I ever even met anyone that had insurance. It never came up in conversations. Like if yeah. I went to my cousin's apartment and he was sick, Obviously, we go to hospital and they will pay. Like, how can my cousin or, say he had insurance? Or you, or you, go, to the chemist, you right. go to the chemist and just be like, this kid has running temperature. Right. And the chemist, which is like a neighborhood right. pharmacy. I guess people in Nigeria know right. what I'm talking about. And they put their hand on the guy's eyes. Ah, fever is high, yo. <laughs> Let him lie down. Here's some Here's some, yeah. some paracetamol. Here's artesunate. And every every right. two or three years, they release a new... Because the malaria that used to hit me in Nigeria, I used to get malaria a lot as a kid, by the way. The malaria that used to hit no me surprise. in Nigeria was always was always of a different flavor every two or three years. And therefore, the drug used to change every two or three years too, by the way. Um, mm -hmm. 
So you'll be at Tessunit, you'll be Los Lumefan Train, it's all, all kind of thing. Every Nigerian. Why do you know the names of the specific drugs? Most like, people, dude. most people, most people know the names. Olympia, that you don't know the right. name is all the more the more unique thing. Because malaria is wow. much more prevalent. So you turned um, it around to shit on me. Wonderful. I'll yeah, take it as a yeah. So most people okay, most people fine. know the names. I think that the expectation is real the real, reality is you haven't even con- most people don't even consider insurance. Because again, you're paying for something that you might use, and it's like also there's also a religious aspect as well. You know, yes, so yes, that's interesting. Yeah. That's for off podcast. Um, I so growing up, we did have like some sort of membership card. So I remember my mom had this card which you would take to the clinic, but that wasn't insurance, that's to show you've registered, yeah, right. And like it's going to be faster for you to see a doctor because no, for them to, to like, find your for them to, for them to find your paper file because they didn't take that. Yes. It has a it has a location of where your paper file is in theory. In theory, yeah, it, uh, yeah, yeah. Don't, the, don't get me started. So listen to our Helium Health EMR EHR episode about records. But yeah, I had basically zero experience with like any sort of insurance growing up, and all the stats show most people don't have insurance. So that is the context. That's the backdrop for the founding of Reliance and the early founding history for the for the founders. So, Banco, I'll pass over to you to talk yeah. about that. Yeah, I would say even before we get there, it's like historically, mm-hmm. so back to back to like the insurance insurance context in Nigeria, is it wasn't that there were no insurance plans. Companies provided insurance. So if you're a government employee, for example, military hospitals will give military people health care for military members and their families at a series mm-hmm. of military hospitals all through, say, Lagos, Kano, all through Nigeria, for example. Or there were... Let's call it what? What is it? The American term, where an, an insurance plan is very expensive, like a high-end oh, yeah, yeah, insurance yeah. plan. Uh, yes, that would be yes, like yes. high-end insurance plan from like high-end hospitals in Lagos, for example, yes. where they'll have yes. an insurance plan. Yeah. But that's not a mass market thing at all. It's like a membership. Oh. It's like a country club membership, almost. Like, ooh, if you get sick, you can always go to Lagoon. So those existed, but of questionable quality, of questionable breadth. It's kind of it. So insurance. Insurance as a concept exists, but only exists as you get wealthier and for certain classes of people in certain economy. I think Reliance HMO is part of this newer wave of companies that were spreading spreading out the gospel of insurance across the board. Yeah, it makes sense. Listen to us talk more. We have a whole episode just about insure tech in Africa, which is yeah. episode 57. This episode will mostly focus on one company, but if you're interested in that broad sector, you can listen to our episode 57, where we talk cool. for two, two hours, 10 minutes on that. Okay. So founding and founders of uh, Reliance Health. I'll talk about the founders and the first few years of Reliance Health. I really um, I really liked looking into the section. I definitely liked listening to uh, the founder of Femikoti talk about the business. Or one of the yes. founders talk, talk about the business and different things. So yes. backstory, three founders, Okwayemi um, Olumekun, Matthew Mayaki, and Femikuti, who, by the yes. way, has a great name. Yeah, uh, I thought we were going to talk about that. Thank God. Of course, yes, we're please, talk let's talk about that. His name is, his name is, it's basically like one of those names where you're like, dude, like, you're like on, the wrong right. Femi Kuti. So for context, Femi Kuti is Fela Kuti's first son. And if you don't know Fela, right. I can't really help you. Femi Kuti is basically <laughs> great. I saw, I actually saw him in Seattle like a month ago or so. Femi Kuti came to wow. Seattle I, and I saw That's him. It was, cool, it was beautiful. I feel like I was just having like... Wait, no, no, hold on, hold on. Why wasn't that one of your small wins? You're a true hater. I'm not you a hater. You saw him and you're like, fine, I my small wins. I was, such, I was such a big fan of, I'm, I am maybe, such maybe, a big fan of Femi Kuti. Maybe you forgot to put it. I probably forgot. Or I'm such a big fan. I'm such a big fan of Femi Kuti, the musician, like massive, massive fan. Every album, the new stuff is kind of weird. But like the, <laughs> the, the old stuff from 97, 99, what's the stuff that performs in. What's the equivalent, Bankole? The equivalent would be like, 
someone in America who's called Elvis Presley or like Michael Jackson or something. We'd be like, wait, you're you're all my yeah. God. It's like I also yeah, that's probably the right like, the right analogy. Michael Jackson, what? That's your name? <laughs> like come Michael on. Jackson is even like a fairly common one. We'd be like, yeah, Elvis Presley, which is like those yeah, are like, like a strange like, combination. Like, like first and name. last name. <laughs> Like, I can understand Elvis, but both like, anyway. So that for our anyways. American audience, it's equivalent. Okay, I don't good. know what the British equivalent is. Um, yeah. Boris Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> like no, no. What's, also, what's the name of the, Neil Gallagher, the guy from Oasis? You'd be like, what? Oh, that's right. A, that's a great example. Anyway. Anyways, Liam Gallagher, which is strange. <laughs> Someone's gonna bite me. Um, moving on. So the founders uh, all went to the same school. It didn't look like some of them seemed to have been there at the same time, but not all. Um, mm-hmm. So Akwemi Ulumekwem, the COO, mm-hmm. um, BSc Geology at OAU, consultant and private equity at a great firm up until 2015. <coughs> and then 2015 is when the Reliance Health story started. Mm-hmm. So I'll come to that in a second. Same as the co-founder and SVP product and design, Matthew Mayaki, yes. computer, engineering, computer engineering undergrad or computer science undergrad, I think. Um, right. Also appeared to have joined the team right after graduation. So his LinkedIn says he's yes. in 2015 and he joined so right can after. we talk about that? I wish I wish I had time to search all our archives. We have so many Afro-Billy episodes. So I think this has happened twice before. What an un- Your first ever job out of college is to join Reliance. So that's unbelievable. Now, shout out to my man, Matthew. Matthew, I don't know if they did you wrong with equity, <laughs> but I'm just nah, saying. I, let's, let's just assume they did Matthew right with equity, but that's unbelievable. It's, it's his first ever job because he graduated. I don't, it, I don't think it's crazy, though. Why do you think it's crazy? Like, I don't think that's crazy at all. It's a job. First no, of all, you missed. No I, think, no, I think it's crazy because, like, that's such good luck. That's great luck. Isn't that lucky? Oh, I don't think it's lucky. That's sweet. Now, your first ever job is to join Reliance Health. You don't think it's lucky. I think it's great. What an unbelievable no, opportunity. I, I, no, well, I'm not saying you're a hater. I'm fine. Must, I'm not saying it's not great. I'm saying, I thought I'm you were. I Keep I thought it. you were referring. I thought you were referring to the fact that oh, that he joined a startup versus something else. And no, like, no, 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 no. I, I was saying I was referring to the fact that like what a great opportunity. Like my first oh, ever oh, job. Oh, I'm not oh, going to yeah, say it's complete absolutely. shit. My first ever job absolutely. was just like you know whatever. But absolutely. this is like what a great first ever. This is his whole experience. So shout out to my man Matthew. Oh, good oh, this selection. Is great. Good yes. selection. Oh, great. It's like yeah, it's like I stumbled into it and it was great. And the last founder, who is now the CEO, and he used to be chief product officer first couple of years. So Femi Kuti, listen to so the story. So he used to be the CPO. I didn't know that. Oh my God. He used Maybe to be we'll a CPO. He, he hasn't always been the CEO. And we'll talk about that a little bit in the founding story. So he was born and raised in Ondo, which is also interesting. I don't know. Yeah. Ondo, Ondo State is probably a few hours from Lagos. It's, it's... Uh, what is Ondo I State use, known for? Because <laughs> I, I feel like... Wait. What we did maybe um, Amala or something. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, why is Ondo it people are going to, you Ondo people are going to would... attack me. Amala, Pepe, oh Pepe, 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 Foriro. Um, so, if, if we do the first word that comes to your mind, when I think of Undo, I think about traders. But I don't know if that's. I think I've been there. I've been there. I've been there multiple times. I've been there. I'm not surprised. If you said you hadn't, I'd have yeah. been surprised. I've been there multiple times. <laughs> Undo, Undo has dope, dope food. Dope, nice, spicy, <laughs> okay. Pepe, pounded yam. Wow. Dope. Okay. Anyways, back to Undo. Um, mm. Undo is probably a few hours from Lagos for folks. It would be, I always try to use US cities. It would be like New York and say, uh, not quite Philadelphia, but like, you know, okay. like upstate yeah. New York and like maybe right. far away. Even though those states right. are pretty or, massive. Or like, or like London to Birmingham or something. Yeah, yeah. Basically, it's kind of losing, like, by the way, the reason we use these stats is because most of our listeners are either from America or London, yeah. England, yeah. we should say. Shout out to yeah, Scotland. Um, Don't hate it. 
So Farah, his dad was a was a medical professor and a doctor, a professor mm. of obstetrics and gynecology. Like four days experience. He grew up in like a strong medical family. Okay. Likely grew Obi-Gyan. up on Obi-Gyan. Obi-Gyan, like grew up on a campus as well. So definitely close to medicine. Went to college, studied medicine, undergrad as one does. If your father is a doctor, God help you, don't yes. study medicine. Like <laughs> he med- actually confessed. Like, he said that influenced him because his mom was also a teacher. But he said it was his dad's experience yeah. influenced him to be a doctor. Like my dad is a lawyer and I was like, I was one of those, oh, you, you don't want to be a lawyer? Okay, that's cool. I mean, I'm not mad about it at all, but you know. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you should say that because coming back to the Fela Femi Kuti thing. So yeah. because of this episode, I was doing research. Obviously, Fela was a famous musician, famous, famous musician. Now there's a third person, another child. So it's like a yeah. three, it's Madi like Kuti. it never ends. So, yeah, exactly. Fela has another gonna... son who's good. Yes, yes. Shane Kuti's it's song like is in music. FIFA 23. So if you play FIFA, go listen to F- Shane Kuti's song. It's like a thing. It's a whole musical family, guys. This is why it's such a strange thing to keep saying Femi Kuti one over again. I'm not giving the Shuki, the Shuki, the original Shuki himself. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're not about <laughs> you know, it. No, by the way, I don't know. What, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. You don't know anything. Knows what you're you don't. About. You, you don't know Ashake, Mr. Money, with anything. Anyways, so he studied. Oh he no, studied no, no, medicine. no! Hold on, we have to talk about that. I, I heard an Ashake song last week. It was awesome with, with Burner Boy last week. Well, in this for the first time. This last yeah, year. for the first Ashake time. Because I remembered you had said his name. I was like, oh, but it sounded more like a Burner Boy song. Than Ashake performed in Baltimore and they threw tear gas. Ashake is a musical <laughs> genius. <laughs> what did you say? The man with the mic. What's his nickname? <laughs> Mr. Money with the vibe. Moving uh, okay. on. Sorry. This is just a sidebar. It's unnecessary. So he went to Obafemi Awolo University, which is a pretty oh, yeah. good university. Um, of course. It's a very famous also tech university, apparently. Um, a lot of tech people went to OAU. We are very, yeah, OAU, cool. OAU people are going to email me and, and, and say I said something bad about their school now. Um, wait, wait, you just said something nice. Why would the email you say you sent something bad? It's a good no, school. No, I'm like, yeah. I said it's an okay university. I said it's good. <laughs> but they think it's like the best. They think it's like, oh my God, nothing better since sliced bread. And everyone like, everyone thinks the university is the best. I find it very amusing. Anyways, so right. he he did that. He was in med- medicine. And medicine in Nigeria is very different from the U.S., by the way. you Medicine Completely is an undergraduate different. program here. Right. I think in the U.S. you go to pre-med and then you go to medical school. Yeah, medicine Correct. is like a six-year thing and then you do all the old housemanship and a bunch of stuff after. Yeah. Oh, oh, so, by the way, to technicality, not necessarily pre-med. You just can't do it as a first degree. Yeah. You yeah. can do the same. But obviously, you're more likely to do pre-med because then <laughs> yeah. you don't you have some of the credits. Yeah. But you can do any first exactly. degree. Exactly. Exactly. You can do any first degree as pre-med, as a swimmer. Anyways, so yes, yes. right after right after OAU, or while it was in OAU, this was interesting. He got recruited by Goldman Sachs. Yeah, mm-hmm. as one does. Moved to London mm-hmm. as an investment I, I banker. I said Sachs. There's only one Goldman, and it's Goldman yeah. Sachs. Yeah. And, and, and one of the interesting things, just a sidebar on the Goldman recruitment, Goldman for many years, this is maybe 2012, Goldman, for many years, historically, has been excellent at recruiting, especially from OUU, by the way. They go there, they get a pick of people, move them to London, and it's, it's a strong investment banking pipeline. So there's a couple of people a year, really? until now. Are you serious? That Goldman has been doing for years, even before it was cool, before this remote work stuff was cool. Wait, wait, hold on. But I thought they would do it with degrees that were more aligned to investment banking, economics, yeah. but they do it for any degree, because his degree has know, nothing to do with it. We know, and Goldman knows, that like the degrees, basically, like the other people in Goldman right. went study PPE in Oxford, right? right? It's not that deep. Right, right. It's right. not... You know? No, but but that's a bad example now. The ease economics. So that's no, aligned. Okay, okay. I, I have lots of friends in Go... I don't have lots of friends. I can think of one person that immediately comes to mind. It's not fair. Who said medieval, medieval Spanish? I was like, can you speak Spanish? <laughs> I can't even speak Spanish. Shout because out to Spanish. Uh, I studied, 
the Spanish I studied is a different Spanish. So I can't even speak contemporary Spanish. I can't even speak the old Spanish, but I'm reading about how they lived and their way of life. That seems pretty useless. But they have a very fantastic career right now in in finance and, and professional services. So it's it's a very mm. common thing. So I think Goldman knows that and it doesn't matter if they're smart. Anyways, he, I'm sure he'll tell us the real story. One day. Went to Goldman, did, did banking, did investment banking. Investment banking is structuring deals for the most part. Did mostly healthcare type deals there as well, which is a good segue. Um, and the timeline now is 2011 to 2012-ish, right? Yeah, 2012-ish. When all this yeah. is happening. Yeah. Exactly. So did Goldman did a bunch of healthcare stuff. I, I will say this is a common trend and I think more global companies should think about is how do you go to these emerging markets and find the right people? It's a bit unfair for the emerging markets because it's like structured brain drain. And you just get your pick of the best. But there's a nuanced argument to say those people typically send a lot of funds back. And the amount of funds they send back to help their family is more beneficial for the society than their direct impact. But that's mm-hmm. like, we're getting into like yeah. some macro yeah, philosophy. But, because but the, sometimes when they stay, they can't have that much impact because their own country isn't developed enough. So they do stop, know, but man. the impact is lower. But if them to have an impact and send cash, but if, that's a different macroeconomic If all the GT Bank engineers are now in Canada, then who's going to build the app? <laughs> Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, GTP back hasn't changed in, in 12 years, so I don't think they need you, any help. It's all the uptime, all the uptime, all kinds of rumors on social media, I will not repeat them, but anyways, moving on. But I, it's oh a whole under tap source of talent. Um, right. He also talked about that. They did two years at Goldman, two and a half years, whatever. And then it was time to leave. You know, the analyst program was done or whatever, maybe yep. stay back. He thought he would come right. back to Nigeria for a few months. He was thinking of doing an MPH or an MBA as one does, and then maybe go to management consulting, again, as one does. And he started thinking <laughs> about... Back on his face. So I'll say, this the audience just, can't see your face, but your face is very blasé, oh, as one does, oh, as one does. Fine. Uh, okay. that's, that's, that's a very fantastic career. Like, I don't know what you mean. It's a great career. But what was interesting about when he came back is he came back, and he came back, this was about the golden time of tech. This is when Jumeir was paying people more money than bank MDs to come and do biz dev. Um, in Nigeria. So this was 2014, mm-hmm. 2015. This was Africa rising. This was yes. lion, lions on the move. This was this was yes. the time. This was what a time to be alive, Africa tech. Okay, can I give some more global context? Can I interject with some yeah. global context around this time? Okay, so I'm going to interject for 10 seconds. Bank will come back. So, so this is 2014, 2015-ish. What, what are things happening around the world? Facebook acquired WhatsApp for 22 billion. Unbelievable. Steve Ballmer stepped down as CEO of Microsoft. Um, he had been there for 14 years after, mm-hmm. obviously, the legendary first founder. Um, Satya Nadella then became the third CEO mm-hmm. of Microsoft. He's been an amazing CEO, led market caps increase exponentially. Apple bought Beats for $3 billion. I don't know how that acquisition has been, whatever. Amazon announced a Fire Phone, obviously a disaster, but they say it's not a disaster, whatever. And then Africa Tech, relevant for us. Paystack, <clears throat> Flutterwave getting to YC. Conga raising a yeah. bunch of money. Kinevik coming in, Nasper is invested in Conga, Jumia, first unicorn a few years later, but raising a lot of money. So there's just a lot of things happening in the ecosystem yeah. that are exciting, both globally, but especially on the continent. Yeah. And what was happening was influx of um, people that had lived abroad coming back, yeah. trying to start companies, and they were getting funding. So not just hype, there was actual money in the system around this time period. So anyway, back to that. Yeah. That's how, basically at the time I was getting my MBA and it's like, everybody's like, yo, are you sure you want to do this? Like, <laughs> Like uh, that's, Africa's that's also funny in hindsight. Um, um, uh, so yeah, it, it was an honest thought. It wasn't that I wasn't. I'm not being, being casual about it. It was an honest like, do I want to do this? The, what was interesting? So he talked about like, okay, why start something? Is he said he was friends with the founders of Jobberman. I think there's an OU connection there, and he knows them very yes. well, which is interesting. Yes. Shout out to Okbayemi, by the way. 
uh, hey, couple people. Shout out to Awkward Fast Forward Fund. Um, context with the audience, it's like monster.com. Think about it. It's a yeah. job posting site. Yeah, so Jobberman is a job posting site, middle of money, and it's probably Africa's biggest job posting site. It's been acquired and now belongs to many different people, but great company. Future good exactly. episode, maybe. Yeah, one of the earliest, earliest startups. I think I would do some, one on jobs is very interesting. Anyways, one of the earliest tech startups. And he's, he, the way he tells the story, he said he knew when they were starting this, he was even supposed to be on the founding team of Jobberman. And, and then he said his father's, he heard his father's voice telling him, unless you are, unless you are mad. <laughs> <laughs> Unless, <laughs> was it? Unless, unless, that. unless maybe you've taken a tablet of insanity, <laughs> a quick acting insanity tablet. Um, anyways, so he, said it. he said he heard the voice, but if my dad told me that in person on future yeah. interviews, I'll say, "Oh, I heard the voice." I wouldn't call unless, him out, but, but maybe unless, once he actually told him that. Unless, unless you're something in your score <laughs> that is affecting. Maybe you drank a lot of lead in the water is affecting your mental capacity. Anyway, so he didn't do job, man. So, but but it was mm-hmm. exciting because Jabba Man was successful, raising money as well. And, and like, he knew Man, them. There's people. Yeah, school. he knew them. There's people. It was like, I can do something. What do I do? I need to start something, right? For healthcare, I'm a doctor who's done banking. Great profile. So I know business. I know finance. I can raise. I have relationships. I hang around, I hang around rich people. That's professional services all day. So it was time to start something. And that brings us to the story of Reliance Health or what became Reliance Health. So... He started a digital health startup called Kankpay in 2016-ish. <clears throat> yeah, Kankpay means... Me, it's like, I'm I'm fine, I'm doing great. It's like someone would be like, how you I'm did? Sturdy. Like, I'm sturdy, I'm reliable. Yes, I'm sturdy. Yes. I'm firm. I f- yes, I feel good. I feel strong. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I feel, it's just yeah. like a positive sentiment. But yeah. it's pigeon, I'm, right? It's not I'm a specific okay. language, right? Yeah, it's pigeon. Probably, I don't even go... Yeah. I should have looked up the etymology of the word, but anyways... He started this app called Kankway, but it was essentially mm-hmm. just telemedicine. This was 2016. The whole point was doctors on yes. the other end, him on uh, doctors on the other end, patients on the other end, and through his platform, you can message a doctor and pay a fee. That was what Kankway was. Now, so so the timeline is we're 2016-ish, right? Yes, yeah. Okay, okay. So 2016-ish. When I first of all started reading about this, <laughs> as soon as maybe it's because I'm Americanized, mm-hmm. when I heard the word telemedicine, I immediately thought about video calls. However, the research is literally just chat. They weren't even yeah. really doing audio calls, no video calls. But I don't know, the framing and the word usage, maybe this is like a nationalistic thing. I wouldn't use the word telemedicine to describe uh. chat. But that's the way they framed in all their initial decks. But uh. all the details show was literally just chat. Um, but mm-hmm. that's neither here nor there. But just for the, so, for the audience. The evaluation for text, video. the evaluation for SMS <laughs> medicine, the evaluation for telemedicine, what's the different evaluation? I, I'm just clarifying for the audience. There were no, I mean, first of all, Fintech like, or bank, what's the evaluation? <laughs> There was super low internet <laughs> penetration. And like, so yeah, mm-hmm. don't think about like video calling. It's literally just chat with a fancy name. So anyways, it's messaging anyways. application for doctors. So you you open the app, the platform, you app or, or smartphone, you type in questions, staff answer your questions for a fee. And then the staff can refer you to, not, the, not campus staff, the medical doctors can refer you to a doctor who can help you further and all of that. Raised a great business in 2016. He's a doctor, obviously CEO, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Got into YC with that in 2017. Yes. One thing to note, so we were lucky that we actually have a video of the founder, currently CEO of Femi Kuti, talking about Conquest. Mm-hmm. So here's a clip of the way he described it in his, in his own words. Hi, I'm Femi Kuti. I'm a doctor, a former investment banker, and founder and CEO of Conquest. As doctors, my colleagues and I are always getting asked medical questions, even outside the hospital. Then I found out that there were 500 million phone lines in Africa and only a fraction of people had access to healthcare. 
that's when the idea of Kanpe hit me. People didn't just want a portal to be able to ask questions from doctors, they needed it. Kanpe means feeling good in Pidgin English and it allows people to ask questions and get authentic health answers from verified doctors via SMS, feature phones and mobile phones. So far we've raised $15,000 and it's allowed us to build the website, build the mobile apps and we're ready to launch in December. However, the networking and funding opportunities that ALN Ventures has to offer will definitely be very useful. We're building the platform that allows hundreds of millions of Africans to get authentic health information. And we believe that that's not just socially impactful, it has massive economic value as well. Thank you. Exactly. It gets into YC with that in 2017, right? Mm -hmm. So Ish. applied to YC, got into YC is in YC. And now, mm -hmm. now the story gets interesting. It tells a story where, so during YC, you go through a bunch of meetings with YC partners. YC is actually not just something you... It's not just an exam you pass and then you raise $10 million. You actually have to do stuff. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, it's not just a logo you put on your website. Yeah. <laughs> it's not to, just... You actually have to talk to advisors. Like, you actually have to do stuff. It's not like a... I'm, I mean, why see you? As in, I mean, the club. Where's my money? <laughs> I, don't, I don't join Real Madrid. No. I don't know. Okay, sorry. Sorry. From now on, refer to me with Sa. <laughs> Um, that's a bad. Uh, I thought why that's that's how the founders in think about YC is like yo YC Lasson. That's the, the price. That's the exit. That's the exit. Yesterday's price is not today's price. That's the YC. Um, anyways, YC is actually like an accelerator. They have programs. They do stuff. They talk yes. to a bunch of the partners in there. And the way he tells the story is that he was challenged by one of the YC partners um, to say like oh what would solve the problem you have and how do you make this bigger and it was like a week or so to demo day. And he explained, like, oh, what would make it better is I actually be able to do all this thing end-to-end -end integrated. And they're like, mm -hmm. why not pitch that? Why are you pitching this? Like, this is just like a text message thing. So mm -hmm. he said a week, two weeks before demo day, he had to change his entire demo to pitch what became Reliance Health. Just so like what do you think about, about that decision-making and that pivot based on the advice from the YC partners? What do you think I, about it? I, I think that it's, a, it's interesting. I think mm -hmm. that as long as it was some, I think it's good feedback. As long as it was something that they agreed with, I think why not? I don't. I don't. It doesn't really conjure something. I feel like you have something you want to say, so why not just go ahead with it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have something I want to say. I think it's it's interesting. Now, obviously, we don't have Femi in this conversation, but I guess the broader thing that I take away from it is it's good to talk to other people and get different perspectives, and they can influence the way you're thinking. Now, you could take it, you could leave it, but in this specific instance, they took it. But I am a big fan of advisors slash coaches slash mentors, whatever word you want to use. And this yeah. is an, a clear example of one of them. I'll say adding value in quotes. We don't know yeah. how it's going to turn out, but I, I'm just a big fan of that. I think a lot of people underestimate, oh, I'm a smart, let's pick, what profession should we pick? Lawyer. I'm a smart lawyer. Therefore, yeah. I know what food to eat. Dude, probably talk to a nutritionist. Like there's an actual dietitian who's a professional. Mm -hmm. I'm a smart doctor. Yeah. I know how to work out. There's an actual physical trainer who can so, Anyway, I'm a big fan of coaches in general, and this is like a specific example of that. That's the point I want yeah. to make on it. Oh yeah, I like. I definitely like the. I like the pivot. Obviously, with the benefit of hindsight, so I'm very wary of saying that the pivot was a good idea because at least they raised fifty million dollars, not nothing. Yeah, we know it's, we'll, um, we know it's a good idea in ten years. Yeah, but, it, but it, the chat thing was very basic. But overall, overall, it was more just pushing the founder to think big and changing stuff and then pitching. Where I thought you were going to go was that it was mildly dishonest, but I, I, I was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna keep my judgments to myself. Wow, no, I I wasn't good there at all. Yeah. Wow, oh my god! Because like uh, one week before, like bro, but I guess that's what YC is, and that's what in some ways entrepreneurship is. I don't know if it's dishonest. I don't. 
you know, I'm going to delete this part of the yeah. oh, 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 but I, I oh, think also it's, it's, like, it's a subset anyway, integrated suite of health services, one of yeah. which is chat. So is it dishonest? It's the same, or, right? Or maybe, or maybe they just got them to communicate their future roadmap that they didn't know they had yet. <laughs> yeah, being a founder early stage is so fa- fascinating. And so, but with 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 that, they had built Kankway. The way he talked about it is they had 150,000 customers. They had partnership with Facebook, Free Basics, when that was a thing, mm. uh, for their communication platform. They were in five countries across Africa. So they, they had some traction as at this YC time, right? On their okay, tech so messaging. 2017, already a lot of traction in 2017. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but you know you know how it is now. You have to check the, the fine print, but basically they said they had a lot of traction. Hmm. And then, but as at when YC, so he's, he's, he tells the story when they did the YC, and you would think it's like he got the two week, um, the he changed his his pitch, and then he got on stage and it was like, oh my god, great idea, here's some money. No, he said like he bombed. Uh, <laughs> they didn't get any likes on the YC thing, and nobody wanted to give them any money. It was like a terrible well, idea. And happens. then they were at YC. It was all in person. It's like a different time. Started walking the hallways, met people. The co-founder met somebody at Tencent, and I was like, "Especially if he was up by the found someone, right?" Yeah, yeah, at Tencent, mm-hmm. and they were, and then mm-hmm. Tencent wrote a check, and everybody piled in because that time Tencent gave everybody money. Okay, <laughs> okay, wait, wait. Shout everybody out to YC Tencent. in Nigeria, Tencent, everybody. Long, long time listeners of Afrobillion knows Tencent did Paystack, Helium Health, and a few others. So they're actually quite, they're quite famous for investing in African companies. They, they are, Most of their investments pretty, have done well uh, so yeah. far. Uh, they don't, they don't talk much. They write checks. They don't write notes. They don't do. Press, they, yeah. don't, they just write checks. <laughs> Anyways, I don't know anything about Tencent invest in Africa, Listen, but it's impressive on all, all of the capitals they're on. If you're very interested in Tencent, Packy McCormick, friend of the pod, um, not boring Substack, did a whole Tencent episode. Um, I yeah. say episode because I'm a podcaster. Post. <laughs> yeah. Blog post on this. So anyway. That's pretty cool. So they changed their pitch, coming from Tencent. Obviously, the way it works at that early stage, that validation opens up to more people, more intros. Stack. So they raised some money right. from YC. I think mm-hmm. it was two million or something like that. There's yes, yes. This amount. is the fundraising part. I'm about to get into it. Yeah. But whenever you're ready. And yes, then I they came the to yeah. And then they came to Lagos, and then they they're like, okay, so that text which isn't stuff, right? <laughs> That's the past. <laughs> let, so let me tell you. Yeah, let me tell you some. Let me tell you what we are doing now. I know you think we are messaging, but we're not messaging stuff. Anyways, so they launched. So they came, built out the plans, built out insurance, and they launched the plans in. 2018. So 2018, yes. March, April was when they launched the plans. They hired a professional CEO with 20 years of insurance experience. Oh, um, wow. Was the person an African, African Nigerian? Yeah, a Nigerian, Nigerian woman. She had a lot of experience. She came in, she was CEO for two years. I think she helped them from the setup to maybe 2019, I think. Um, she got paid! I mean, Shout out. Okay. <laughs> bro, you know these things, I mean, I don't even feel comfortable saying things like that, but anyways, they had a, they had a CEO <laughs> And they had a bunch of plans, and then and they launched a couple of good stuff, right? Funny, so, Funny. as at the time they launched, two things, two things interesting about the time they launched is I don't that I don't see right now. One is they had a cashback package, which was cool. Like if you pay for insurance and you don't use it, they give you a, a certain percentage back. This is, this is going to come back at my point at the end. The way they monetize yeah. this pro- product and company is insane. Yeah. That's the one thing you should not do. The whole point. Is I don't even do that anymore. I don't even do that anymore. I've, I've not, well, I've not even seen the fact anything. That, even the fact they thought about that sounds insane to me. That's, it's, hmm. it's against the whole point of insurance. But anyway, it's a it's a mathematical. I love, insur- I love insurance plans. Do that in the US, so like yeah, yeah, not health. Maybe not health insurance. Like 
if you have long-term care insurance, you can like do it. Like, oh, We're talking about health insurance now. This is no, a very specific ins- thing. No, but health ins- long-term care insurance is health insurance, right? It's just well, like in, this for specific, old age. in this specific context, that's not what they're offering. They're offering health insurance for health services and giving cash back. That's very, very unique and strange. But anyway, we will come back to some monetization. I have thoughts about it for later. Anyways, anyways, I, I, the other thing also that it seemed that they were very competitive based on price when they started. Now, not so much. Now everybody's doing mobile insurance and. You know, and, and just like the U.S., just like many developed markets, if you buy insurance, you better read the paperwork because you'd be surprised. Oh, yes. Exclusions, out-of-pocket yeah. limits, deductibles. It's, yeah. it's, it's more complicated than you'd assume. More complicated than you'd assume. And, but it all does seem that if you look at a lot of the blue chip HMOs now, they're still competitive on price for the entry-level plan. We talk about whether that's the best plan. I did some on scientific research about whether that's the best plan, what, what you need to do. But So two mm-hmm. things about the launching is, Launching the plans in 2018, and then going ahead to to compete based on like a really affordable plan and end to end. And they say they have data science and a bunch of stuff. We we'll get to that a bit later. Of course, um, I'm sure they would but, say that. Everyone says that. But overall, so just the founders all went to the same university at different times. Yes, um, yes. It's actually not. I couldn't quite figure out when or how they met. Probably in college, but all different faculties. I don't know geology, yes. science, and computer science. Yes. Also, one of them is way, way, way younger. So I'm pretty sure. Matthew yeah. was not, they met him separately versus yeah, like maybe yeah, just applied. Like, guys, look, I need a job. I went to, I went to, where you help <laughs> me, please. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the great story getting to YC on a different business, pivot during YC to something much more substantial or where they are now. So, okay, that's sort Makes of sense. where, where do you started. think more founders today should consider getting a professional CEO in? I, I I think it's very context dependent. I'm sure if you asked him, he would say they didn't need it. I'm sure he would be like, I, we just over-indexed. But he did refer to other parts, other parts of the thing where he said, look, we needed to have somebody in the industry. And, and like I saw listen something where somebody asked him, what has he learned? It was like the importance of getting professionals and building a strong team. And that's what mm. he tries to index on when he hired people. So maybe it wasn't the right fit. I think that insurance is highly regulated. So definitely professional CEO maybe much more mm. over-indexed in a highly regulated industry is where the entire workflow is regulated across the board. So you want to be very careful to to navigate regulation versus something maybe less regulated, like say, I don't know, ride sharing or food delivery, maybe less so. Shout out to less regulated sectors. I'm a big fan. Okay, so thank you. I'm going to talk about fundraising um, and their geo expansion and their partnership strategy. So yeah. Bankly already touched on a little bit of their fundraising. I'll just quickly hit some of the high points and talk about the money they raised later. <laughs> so 2015 to 2017-ish, Kangbei pivoted based on mm-hmm. the YC feedback, like you said. Um, Tencent was one of the first initial investors. And one thing you should notice, <laughs> the way the founders talk about the pivot is we're going for an integrated model integrated healthcare services, something more similar to Kaiser Permanente in Oakland. This will come back in the story later. So eventually they raised around $2 million in their seed post-YC. So $2 million mm-hmm. is the money they raised from Tencent plus YC plus plus plus. So they had a lot of prominent international investors. Also, they had some local investors, which I thought was cool. So they had I thought $2 million is a, like a big, to- a, big, a big seed round as well, right? Like it's like a mm-hmm. sizable seed round. Two million dollars yes, 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 is a sizable post yeah, for no, any good. company in any market. Yes, like two million sure, is actually sure. a lot of equity. A lot of equity, especially in, in 2017. Yeah, yeah, good big amount. And they got local investors. Which I was happy to see. So Idris Bello <laughs> from Lofty Inc, Kola mm-hmm. know Ventures Platform, and Partech. So some good international guys, and then some good local founders, um, local investors, and that's the, the amount they raised, the two million mm-hmm. in 2017. Three years later, 
Great timing, by the way, because they announced 2020 mm -hmm. January, which means they probably did most of the conversation, the actual fundraising in mm -hmm. 2019. So before COVID, important for the story later, they raised their Series A. So led by Partech. Mm -hmm. And uh, the $6 million, again, quite a large amount for yeah. a health startup. So even you can see early in their history, they're raising a lot of money. And the reason they needed to raise money is obviously based on the way they're pricing, we're going to talk about later. And because of the way a startup is, they need to raise money. Partech was already in the seed, so they double dipped and led the Series A. Uh, 2022 mm -hmm. fe February. now Partech is also, also great. Context is Partech is also another... Not not too stealth, but they're pretty sizable. Their portfolio is looking nice um, and steady right about now, given that we are getting into the funding winter. I think Patek is looking... <laughs> Patek is looking like they'll still be having meetings with, with their portfolio companies. Some other people have stopped for their portfolio company meetings. Um, That's funny. Yeah, yeah, but go ahead. Sorry. Oh, oh, no, no, please. That was a great interjection. Okay, so they raised money right before COVID, got the massive COVID bomb. So no surprise when in 2022, February, they announced... $40 million, $40 million, Series B, rumored valuation, $200 million to $250 million, which means at this point, they're one of the biggest health tech companies in Africa. It was led by General Atlantic. For the audience, yeah. if you're not familiar, GA, General Atlantic, one of the most popular, well-known investment firms. OG, global OGs, big exactly. tech. Facebook, Reliance, Geo. On like. and on. Yes, yes. Oh, this and, is the other second Reliance in that portfolio. Ha, 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 ha. I think they also in I see what you did there. Um, this was uh, General Atlantic's first investment in Africa, which I didn't even, I was like, oh, wow, that's surprising. And I didn't know this at the time. It's the largest Series B ever raised by an African health tech company. That's what, uh, that's what General Atlantic said. So any thoughts on yeah. either the size or the participants before I go into more details on this round? No, I, I loved it. You don't, the other flip side is if I look at the amount of money raised, you start to think about, sorry, you know, I start counting money in people's pockets. I think about founder equity. <laughs> Like, yo, I, I hope these guys are incentivized properly, basically. That's it. Fingers crossed. Yes. I have. I, I want to do a long deviation to talk about 54 Gene's current struggles, but let's stay on topic. We want to do, we don't want to do for four hours. We'll stay on topic. So biggest ever health tech raised by, Damn, biggest just, ever Series like, B raised. So this podcast is just like straight bullets. I'm never going to let that slide. You're just like, yo, I could shoot on 54 Gene, but I don't oh, have the time well, for it. No, it wasn't going to be a dump. It was just going to be an observation of the facts. I was just be like, I, I don't, yeah. I, I don't shoot on companies when they're down. I, I just observe. Anyways, moving on. I, I mean, if we go back and listen to our 54 gene episode, but even at the time, bank click on saying, oh, a lot of COVID revenue, oh, a lot of COVID revenue. So um, maybe later on we could talk oh, about the. the go. <laughs> it's like who gives you alcohol? Hope they don't go, go make drink. another COVID do because the COVID, <laughs> this COVID, okay. the way you pay them, they don't go make another COVID do. Okay, Anyways. so anyway. Shout out to Tencent and Partech, who are in almost all the rounds, the Seed, the Series A, Series B. They have a, a great looking cap table. So YC, General Atlantic, um, Partech, uh, Ventures Platform, they're just yeah. solid Golden set of Palm. investors. Golden Palm. Let's see how things continue to go. Luckily for them, I mean, life, you just have to be lucky in life. They raised right before COVID, got the bump. They raised right before the funding winter started. So they've had two mm -hmm. lucky breaks. Now it's left for them to execute. We'll see how the story unfolds. Now. I'm going to talk about geo expansion. This part is going to be super short and straight to the point because <laughs> for almost all of the existence, they've been in Nigeria. However, as part of this Series B, 40 million, they did announce they're going to be doing two things. Geo expansion within Nigeria and mm -hmm. expansion to Egypt. Okay. So okay. within Nigeria, they're going to build more facilities in Abuja, PH. And actually, I went on their website to see what cities they're in. They're actually, if you're familiar with Nigeria and Lagos, they're not just in the richer parts of the country. They actually have a lot of offices and mm -hmm. offices clinics and hospitals yeah. and across the, the regions, which ne is why... The network. 
the health exactly, network. Exactly. The network. Yes. Yeah. So the health network is actually quite spread out, which is one of the benefits of doing third party partnerships as well. So not only do they have first party clinics that they own and operate, they also have third party clinics. And based on their partnership and their network, they can offer more than just the rich parts of the country, which is important. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So they've been in Nigeria. They said they're going to be um, in Egypt as a result mm-hmm. of raising the money. So which means over time, they're probably going to be in more countries. What is their strategy to get into more countries? Their strategy is one to be in large countries, of course, obviously, mm-hmm. and countries that face similar challenges. Now, Egypt, they don't speak English. They do have a large population. I don't know if it, it, it wouldn't have been my immediate guess, but I can understand how under some circumstances they would do it. it it's, it's, the, it's a conversation you and I had, like Paga said they wanted to go to Mexico. Like, and Philippines. Egypt seems more reasonable. And Philippines, this seems more reasonable. We had other countries that wanted to do South Africa. South Africa is like completely different kettle of fish. So that leaves like, what does it leave? Kenya and Egypt. So I guess it sort of makes sense. Any thoughts on expansion strategy? Or what so it's the, the, this is interesting because on one hand, when you listen to the pictures and I watch a lot much of the pitch videos, it's like, oh, there's more 19 million people on a short in Nigeria or with mm-hmm. health care, all that mm-hmm. stuff. And this is the opportunity. But they're trying to go into Egypt. It's kind of like, well, it's clearly... So what they're saying is Nigeria is such a big market, but by expanding, they're saying it's not such a big market. So you could, they are saying something and doing another thing. I thought that was very interesting. And not, Good it's not a ding. It's just a, it's just a reality of like... You and I know, everybody knows that the market is not as big as it appears. Therefore, it needs to diversify for many different reasons, not just on growth. And I found that part interesting. Second thing is the choice of markets. But I I trust, you know, the people who put the $40 million inside there are probably doing the right uh, due diligence to make sure the decisions are being made. The board, the decisions are being made um, with the right data. Yeah, it it, it makes sense. Okay, so that is their (laughs) geo strategy, expansion strategy. Talking about other partnerships, I already talked about the fact they have first-party-owned clinics and third-party-owned clinics. That seems to be their primary growth through partnerships. They haven't really done that much M&A. They haven't really done anything else. That is their core growth, and I'll talk about it later. But for now, just think about their partnership strategy as other clinics, which means if you have insurance with Reliance, you can go there and get served. The thing that bothers me about that is the incentives are sort of not aligned. So if you're a third-party clinic, what's your incentive? get as much money and make sure the patient comes back forever. Oh, come back next week, charge again, come back next week. What does Reliance want? Reliance wants the patient to go as few times as possible, save the cost. So if it's your own first party operated, you can be like, let's give them the best service, make sure they're fine, make sure mm-hmm. they don't need to come back. If you're third party, you, the partnership model, obviously uh-huh. they're getting paid per visit or per, yeah. they're getting paid on some factor, which changes based on, on frequency, right? So anyway, we'll talk about it later, but you can already see from my voice tone and some of the things I've said on the podcast, these are some of the things yeah. that lead me to some of the negative views on it. That's true for all insurance plans across the world. So I'm not even that, like, it's, it's like a known thing of insurance. And that's why you negotiate rates. So I, I don't expect it to be very different operationally, that part from insurance in, say, the US, where you, you know, if somebody charges too much, they're out of network. <laughs> that's it. I remember also sidebar, my optician, I have an optician. I go for my eye test or whatever, message me being like, mm. oh, we can't take your insurance anymore, but you can still come here for the excellent care. I'm like, bro. I'm pay out of pocket. I'm like, dude, <laughs> let's must, be clear. The only you reason must have I went me to confused. your podcast yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you're in network. Don't, yeah. Don't be, yeah. You're like, smoking you do email, something. They're, they're not walking there by myself. You know, I'll come there. Don't be silly. In America. They say, they dude, say the, we'll the help you arrange the test. paperwork. They say, we'll help you arrange all the paperwork so you can submit me. I don't do that, no. fam. No, no, don't get me started. Basic eye 
basic comprehensive eye exam could be $150. I'm like, dude, this thing is literally $10 in my insurance. You want to pay yeah. 15x the price? <laughs> like, yeah. come on. It's like, I'm come sorry. on, out of pocket because you love our care and we are so nice. Okay. Uh, um, anything else on the partnerships piece in the network? So, yeah. So, I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought the, the whole signing up clinics, it's, it's an interesting model. And if you look, by the way, if you look, as expected, if you look at their competitors' clinics, clinical networks as well, it's kind of similar. It's like the same big hospitals. Of course. Um, as well. Of course. Because so, yeah, everybody takes Aetna, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, and all kinds of yes, things. Yes, of course. So, of course. Yeah. Of course. The incentive for the hospital slash clinic is to get as many partnerships as possible. Of course. The problem is on the back yeah. end when it comes to payments and claims. Um, exactly. Okay. So next, I'm going to talk about the team strategy. Bankly, I already spoke about most of the stuff I have here. Um, the only thing I'll note, which is obvious, is almost all the team were Nigerians living in Nigeria. But when they started the expansion to Egypt and they raised money, they started to get country manager, some PMs and some leads mm. in Egypt. And they're probably over time going to do the same structure in other regions. But there's nothing yeah. to note about them apart from that. Users, metrics and traction. OK, so we have some, some data. When we say users, we're going to talk about number of patients or in this case, number of policies, which hopefully mm. should be they should be one to one. So. Uh, we have 2019 November. It depends. It depends. Just well, just to be clear, a corporate policy can be one policy and combine many sub policies or maybe sub people. So, yes, yeah. But go ahead. There's, there's, I know what you mean. Some, but go ahead. Yeah, there's some complication, but hopefully it would be easier for us if it was one to one. But yeah, it, it depends. Mm -hmm. So 2019 November, um, they they claimed they had 12,000 monthly active policies. 2019 November. Okay, 2022 February, they announced they had mm -hmm. 200,000 active policies, monthly active policies. So you can already see mm. like crazy, whatever the math is there, like almost 15x increase based on mm -hmm. the COVID bump and growth. You should know, by the way, that 200,000 number, that's based on, total, that's the total number of policies for both B2B and B2C channels. Um, yeah. Okay, so that's what we know about users slash policies slash patients. How many hospitals do they have? They have around 1,800, 1,800 as of 2022 March. So those are some of the numbers we have. I'm so tempted to convert these numbers to revenue, but we'll, we'll punt on the conversion till we get to the monetization part, where it fits better in that category. But you can already sense that um, it's, for, for most companies, very hard to do the conversion. For this one, it's literally like monthly policy yeah. times average price of policy, and they multiply by 12 for annual. But it, it's it's going to be easier for us to guess guesstimate the revenue on this episode for later. Yeah. So. The other thing that's interesting is if you have um, 200K policies, it's 200, 200 cumulative policies sold, or is it how many lives covered now? Ah, okay, numbers. okay. So, so we, we know for sure the 2019 November number was 12,000 monthly active. The 200,000 number, I don't remember if it was monthly active or cumulative. If it's cumulative, it's, count me yeah. out. I'm a hater they, they when it comes to numbers. I'm 200K policies. So you have to be very careful here. Or 100, yes, I saw lifetime, other interviews We have had different numbers as well. I don't want to yes. speculate, but that's how you get yes. to what their revenue could be. Yeah, yeah, that's how we can get it. But just for the audience, I always use every episode. But just to be clear, the best data, shout, shout, I feel like I say this every episode. Shout out to Alipay and AliExpress for annual active customers. No one in the tech industry does that apart from, from, from them. Like 30-day active, daily active, seven-day active. Those are the numbers that are useful. Lifetime stuff is crap. Register mm -hmm. stuff is crap. All these things are crap. Just monthly active, daily active, seven-day active. Anyway, with that, my little rant is over. Pass it over to Bankly to talk about products, monetization, yeah. strategy. So let's go to that. So I'll go through some of their product stuff. So how the product works, some of their investments in technology, how they make money, um, and then and some of their cost stuff as well. And for the people that don't know, Bankway is an actual product manager. So this is... Yeah, this, <laughs> this is exactly like, what I do full time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
So a couple of things, how they think about that is important. If there's only if there's one important thing about this section, it's that they are integrated. So you will find, as many Nigerians will know, is there are a lot of HMOs in Nigeria now, like sort of in the last couple of years. Because what an HMO effectively is, is bundling, depending on, forget how you slice and dice it, you bundle, collect a bunch of premiums, people go get healthcare and you pay the healthcare providers some of that premiums off. But right. because it's a pool right. of risk, you get some money out of it and you make some money. Yeah, that is you not make what, money if the pool is large enough and you count the probability of... Yeah, you may not make money, but you should. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. You make money either way because all these types not make money, you just don't pay. So what you find, wow. by the way, in many of these okay. markets is many of the wow. HMOs many of the HMOs have a reputation for not paying. Also not Reliance. Wow. By the way, Reliance has a very good great reputation as an HMO, to be very clear. There's like two as or three of 2022 November. As of 2013 November, right? Like uh, doctors or small private practices talk about like reliance, settles claims, and, and Femi Kuti talked about settling claims in in 24 hours compared to months from for other insurance companies, um, mm. which is what our friend at Curacel does. You, you gotta make the claims process easy. But I digress. So Reliance HMO they are integrated, so they also have some bundling. So they have the telemedicine platform, they have drug delivery. So there's a number mm-hmm. of startups in one, basically, I guess, in some ways, just for their network. Yes. Um, and they have two clinics in Lagos, Nigeria, as well. So that's mm. how their product strategy is very different from other HMOs. Yeah, right? first party clinics. one, but they have way more if you count the network, right? Yeah, way more, but they will have clinics. So it would be like if, uh, for people in the US, if Aetna or Cigna or Blue Cross Blue Shield had like their own 35 hospitals that they owned, but also let you do others. You'd be like if Kaiser Permanente let you see other doctors, but mm-hmm. you could also go to a Kaiser network. Um, mm-hmm. th- that's the model that they're going for. Obviously, they have only two clinics. Kaiser has, you know, a gazillion or whatever. Yeah. Well, also, we should emphasize for the audience, because I was surprised to see this, just like I was saying a few hours ago, when they say telemedicine, again, you think, okay, now it's no longer Cantley. It's now 2022. It's now video, audio. You don't know. I tested it. It's just chat and phone calls. The video stuff is still not fully rolled out, baked into you. So don't think about, oh, you're doing a live video stream with the doctor. Yeah, it's it's like, the, maybe it's like the word choice. I just, I still think about video when I think telemedicine. Anyway, so for the audience, just to emphasize, it's regular calls and chat. I know I know many doctors personally. I don't want to see them on video. So I don't know what <laughs> um, Wow. I didn't expect okay. to the, the belts. Okay. Exactly. So that's how, that's how the product strategy, that's how they built Reliance to be different. Second thing that they've done is, and I would, I'm repeating this boilerplate from their marketing or from interviews as well. It's like they invest heavily in technology, which is interesting. So they talk heavily about their tech and about their use of Snowflake and a bunch of different things. So mm. they say for their enrollees, right? They collect all the data, test results, diagnostic labs, clients. Basically, all I was thinking about is, oh my God, HIPAA violations. People <laughs> in, my US, in the US, because once you collect, in the US, once you collect healthcare data, the things you can do with storing it, reading it, can be very onerous, right? Yes. But but obviously, yeah, I don't know how much data protection we have in Nigeria, for example. Zero, I can tell you. So they, they, as insurance company, have access to all their enrollees test results from the client's company information, health tests, drug data, delivery data. And so they do collecting all data to create a Korean profile of a patient, right? Second is automating that process of how you collect the data. So for example, and I'll talk about this a bit later. So they have a program with, he didn't directly refer to this, but there are people who don't have smartphones that they want to sign up. So if I have a corporate customer and I sign up a bunch of market women, you need, and they get them to fill forms because they don't have smartphones, for example. 
So you have to build, invest in some OCR to collect that. If you do manual data transfer mm, to clean the data. Okay. So the claims automation process, risk fraud identification, if somebody keeps going to the doctor for medicine, for paracetamol, mm. things like mm. that. So they, they claim that they have automated mm. a bunch of those things, which lets them pay off claims in 24 hours is what it says, and everybody does us two, three months, and our tech is cool. We have two mm. people, they have 30 people. Mm. We have automated a bunch of those things as well. And they do, okay. then do, they do, do insights. I actually do believe it because it's not hard. Let's put it this way. It's mm. not it's not proprietary. Like it's yeah. actually it's actually relatively as far as technical problems go, it's actually not a a tough thing. Like the part yeah. of the reasons what makes it difficult in many other markets can be regulation. And mm. if with with much more reasonable, I don't think it's that it's not regulated. With much more much more reasonable, you have a lot more flex. For example, they're putting Customer data on AWS. I don't know if they're using like, because AWS for HIPAA is going to be way more expensive than regular AWS, by the way, for example. Of course. Um, yes. So things like that. But to collect all the data, to join tables, to do that, it requires some investment and it requires some spending of money to make that process work work well and to build a business that allows you to squeeze out the efficiencies in that insurance. Because even if you take the premiums and you want to pay it out, right, you have to deal with fraud. There's going to be insurance fraud. There's going to be a, there's a mm-hmm. certain level of fraud that is required for any system. There's going to be insurance fraud. So how do you manage that fraud? And they, they, they've built a lot of technology, they say, to manage that process. Now, every HMO is going to say they have that. Every HMO is going to say we have claims automation. Some people solve it differently. You can solve it via humans because you just have people mm. call and call and call and you know mm-hmm. have five layers of approval for claims and things like that. But they mm. are, Kuti has said, he sees Reliance as a technology company that does healthcare, which is interesting, versus yeah. like a healthcare company that has some tech underpinning it. So. Yeah, maybe it's my personality. I feel sort of skeptical about it, but less skeptical than normal because they've been in it for five and a half, six years. They've raised a lot of money and they seem to have the people that could do it. So yeah. maybe they're doing it, but just like everyone says the same thing, right? So it's hard to not become skeptical after a while of doing so many companies. No, I also You know feel what like I mean? Everyone always says that. We're, I think we're, we're tech first. We're not part of our sector. We have data science. At least they didn't say they're doing ML, which is obviously complete. They said they're doing ML now. They said they're doing oh, ML God. for risk now. I kind of know okay, they're doing fine. ML. Is it 2020 okay, doing ML? I, I'm, no, I, anyway. I, think that, I think that maybe because I'm, I'm biased because I'm more familiar with the nitty gritty of what it takes to do this thing they say they're doing. And I just see the, I see the to-dos, I see the tasks, I see the the. Kanban board, I see, you know. I was going to say Kanban I, board too. Yeah, oh I see the Kanban board. So I'm like, it's actually, left right. it's doable with a small team. These things mm-hmm. they're, they're doing. And there's a clear path. It's a replicable process of, I'm getting a bunch of data. I need to clean it, make it constantly readable. There's like off-the-shelf solutions. So not much custom built here. Right. So I think it's possible. Versus saying you have to custom build and custom train a model to do something custom. Um, stuff like fraud identification is in, in ML is or stuff like that is is I, I want to be very clear. It's not that it's easy. Is that there's a, you're not? No, but it's it, a, it, it exists as a service to standardize. You can get off the shelf. It's a well-beaten path. It's a well-beaten yes. path. It's a well-beaten okay. path for the stuff they're doing. Okay. And 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 a lot of the cloud would sell. A lot of the cloud companies would sell off-the-shelf stuff for like OCR, for example. You can get right. top-notch OCR from any of these people. Like there's so much. Yes. It's not even, you don't even have to get it from AWS or Google. You can get stuff on the marketplace that runs on 
AWS cloud that is cheaper than getting from AWS itself, which is kind of wild. Of course. So there's no, no, of course. Like the whole benefit of getting for AWS is to make sure it can integrate with the rest of AWS suite. It doesn't mean it's the cheapest. They don't sell. They don't sell based on price. They're professional. I mean, hundred K customers, based on- maybe it can even run on. It can run on something even smaller. Self, it goes to digital and <laughs> get some discounts. Um. Anyways, yes. maybe because I I'm, I'm much more biased and I'm and I'm. And I see the tech and my eyes light up. So it's kind of like, it's like a, it's catnip. I just see it and it's like, oh yes, I believe it. I believe every, every word of it. But okay. Okay. I mean, I'm, again, like I always say on this podcast is if, if you're an investor is your due diligence should be very different than me and a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> so, this is for comedy and for entertainment. So <laughs> my comedy <laughs> podcast. <laughs> okay, cool. That's true. And then, so okay. that's a lot about the tech. So the product itself and how it works. It's what you would expect, right? You sign up on the website. Or you sign up on a mobile app. I'm not sure if you can sign right. up on a mobile app, which is interesting, by the way, because I was thinking about an IAP and Apple App Store, 30%. Anyways, you sign up on the website and you can get a bunch of retail. So three categories of customers. Of There's retail, there's corporate, mm-hmm. and they have a senior citizens plan, um, mm-hmm. which is, so retail is you buying insurance yourself. Yes. Corporate is a company buying for employees. Senior citizens is for people with pre-existing conditions. It's kind of like a weird nomenclature, but they know what they, what they mean. It's basically a pre-existing conditions plan, but they call it a senior yes. citizen's plan. The business one has different pricing, but it's yeah. the same plan. So it's just like, obviously, if I'm going to get it for 2,000 people, I cut me a discount. Yeah. So. And they have, they have, by the way, they have great corporate customers. I, I wanted to leave this at the beginning, like Paystack is a customer, PwC is a customer, oh, wow. PwC uh, Jumia is a customer. Yeah, um, Jumia, of course. They have a number of like multinationals who are customers. My scientific survey of my network is that people generally trust Reliance HMO. There's a couple of others, we'll get to that in the competitor section. So they they have a, mm. they're building the business. On the retail side, they have three different plans and I'll go through what you it's covered. So yes, let's do it. There, there's one called Red Burial. Mm-hmm. They have so strange that. names, by the way. Yeah, Red Burial, <laughs> it's like 30, 30 3,000, you know, if I'm talking about dollars, I say 3,500, about Naira. I say 3,500 Naira. Um, so that's why I was getting confused. It's 3,500 Naira. Yeah, what currency am I going to talk about? So it's 3,500 Naira a month, which is like $5 a month. Uh, or 1.2 million Naira of cover a year. So $1,600 a year. So the plans mm-hmm. are only different based on what they cover. So different amounts of cover, Specialist visits, prediction visits, cover for eye care, yes. things like that. So, yes, Red Barrel, I spent a lot of time. Yeah, go ahead. I spent a lot of time comparing the plans, and one thing that immediately struck out to me: they just had different things that I would expect. So, I live in America. Obviously, I'm used to American plans. I've always had American plans. Some of the plans offered like gym workouts. Now, it was weird. It was limited to three. <laughs> you could go to the gym three times per year. I was like, okay, fine. Some of the plants had massages. So they just had like weird yeah. perks, but with very, very low limits. So you can go into the details yeah. of the core health offering, which is more important. But I was just, I was like, well, massage and gym, that's so random yeah. for your uh, health insurance yeah. plan. But why not? If it's limited to yeah. three. Discovery yeah. Health in South Africa. Shout out to Discovery Health. Ah, uh, People are putting Fitbits on dog to get points. So they can change the points for Apple Pro. South African farm. I just gave you the game. Million dollars worth of game. <laughs> Put your feet on your dog, bro. <laughs> so, so, so you were saying, anyway, you're going to talk about the actual details. I'll talk about the gym and the massage stuff. I just thought yeah, it was cool. so, uh, yeah, they, they just cover a wide range of things. I, I don't think it's helpful to go into like number of specialist visits, number of this. Oh, yeah, just, yeah. You go to prediction a certain number of times a year. So, Red Burial, Alexandrite, Diamond, $5, $8, $16 a month. Yeah, so relatively 1500 1500 2500 or $4,000 of coverage a year. 
right? That's your max yeah. your max coverage limit you get on each of these yeah. plans. So on you, the InsureTech episode, the way I think about it is telcos, their monthly ARPU is 2 to $3, and the cheapest plan here is $5. So it's not as cheap as a telco plan. And obviously, telecommunications, you need that. That's like to run your business to make money. This is something you don't need. Yeah. But at least it seems like the price sort of makes sense comparatively-ish, especially the I lowest. the price makes sense. When you look at competitors, though, bro, like they are giving $3 insurance, $4 insurance. Like I, I saw a 1,000 Naira insurance plan. And even when I talk to people about, um, I talked to one of my friends about this. Is like, yo, whatever you do, don't buy the cheapest plan because now you'll be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's fair. You, you go buy to the, the cheapest plan, you water. Be, that's it. No, don't you get water. Like you go to the hospital once, you have malaria, and you, uh-huh. they give the bill is 600K. Your insurance has already covered it, but your, your maximum can be 1.2 million, which is that if you get malaria again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so just like in America, honestly, Max coverage. you have to read. It's not just the top line monthly yeah. number. Like, what's the out-of-pocket max? What's the deductible? What does it cover? And then what types of specific procedures yeah. does it cover? Like, so for example, in America, you see stuff like if you need a specific medication because you have some, you're like 54 in America, you need a specific medication. You probably should get a plan that covers that medication. Yeah. Same thing here. You may want to pick the cheapest, but actually your overall calls by the end of the year may not be cheap if you pick yeah. the cheapest. So it's like, it's counterintuitive, but you basically need to do like an annualized expectation of the total cost, not just based on the monthly cost. Otherwise exactly. And if I think about like how, if I think about how they make money, right? So they get the premiums. The people pay every month. People go or don't go to the hospital and they, pay off some of that premiums for first-party or third-party care, and they keep a proportion of that. Uh, it's called the medical loss, medical loss ratio. It's fairly standard. Yes. A couple of things, though, is because they're, because they're integrated, they will have some more levers to make money on the actual healthcare. So they probably are making some margin self-dealing using mm-hmm. the first-party clinics, however you match that, either, either by paying less of the premiums out for the first-party or being abusing that to even benchmark what they can negotiate rates with third parties. Like, hey, we have a clinic and mm-hmm. we're able to make it this work with this much. We should, charge, mm-hmm. you should charge us this much. The interesting thing, I was thinking about their the how it's different, maybe their cost structure, how it's different from the West. One ah. thing that's different here for these insurance companies is they they have to spend a lot of money and effort on customer acquisition. So they do things that when you think about it, like we're talking about healthcare, they do referral programs. And they give you a potential yes. premiums. It's kind of weird. Like if imagine if like I don't know Blue Cross Blue Shield was doing like a referral program to sign up people for it. Like mm. that would be weird. Yeah, they have to do commissions. He also talked about Femi talked about uh, their problem is not just to in, like in theory. If I had a great pricing model for health insurance, I could build my own HMO plan in the US because I just have to go negotiate rates with all these other people in theory, right? Mm-hmm. He talks about his job being the other completion of his job being that there's a variable quality in many emerging markets of healthcare. So they have to do a lot of filtering, a lot of quality mm. control, ongoing quality control versus you would have to do in many other markets. So Right, because in America, to you know, there's cost. already a minimum bar. There's a minimum so you bar. you try to focus more on the partnership negotiating price versus also looking at the yeah. quality of healthcare. There's delivery. less variability of quality, basically, yes. is what he talks about it. Yes. So they have to spend different on cost acquisition, and they have to spend a lot of time on quality management, quality control consistently. So even if hospital is good today, mm. it doesn't mean it's good tomorrow. And follow up on the service because then a customer says, "Oh, this happens on your website. I go there. I have I got a bad service. It mm. looks bad for the plan." Um, of course. So spend a lot of time looking at those. Yeah, but, but, but I guess those well. things make sense. But overall, their cost structure then shouldn't be that different than what you'd expect. It would be like there are some differences here and there, but maybe it's like typical healthcare insurance. It's like yeah. they, they they pay out the hospital, they pay out the clinics, they pay out the doctors if it's chat. 
No, I would say I would say there's two two things. One is mm. uh, well different compared to the West. One is they're spending a lot of money. You have to spend a lot of money on customer acquisition. I think the, that the ones in America have to spend, or the ones in the, the ones in Nigeria have to spend. have to spend a lot. The ones have to spend a lot on customer acquisition. I think I would say more than more than the ones in at least for the retail retail part. More than the ones yes, in, in the US because yes, it's just yes. a, a bigger retail business. The second is more their integrated service providers. Like the fact that they have first party clinics, you just have a different different yes, kind it, of. It's uh, more like Kaiser. They could offset yeah. some stuff like you were saying. And the way they tell it is they have to do a lot of quality control and quality management and stakeholder management for the hospitals in that network, which I don't know if Blue Cross yes. Blue Shield is, you know, going to Providence Health Health Network to go check something. Right. Is, is that expensive, though? Is that going to affect their cost structure? Well, that, that doesn't has sound to super be. expensive. A person just goes and, and checks it and comes back because it's linked to the cost of labor, which is lower. Because it's, it's, not, right. it's not a technical implementation. It's just a person looking at the facilities. I wonder if they do it in a more nuanced way. I'd be very surprised. Yeah. Just like, send you there to go to the hospital. To go and see if he has malaria. See if he's clean. So that's pretty much what they do. They, they're able to make money, have an integrated solution, collecting premiums, paying some of it out, hopefully keeping something nice. themselves. And they do stuff. But they're just able to take some of the premiums, hopefully, keep some of it, hopefully, pay, help, pay out a small portion of what, what they had, keep hopefully. most of it back yes. and, and be profitable. There's a lot of hope in their business. I'll talk about it later. I'm a uh, to say I'm not a believer is an understatement. Anyway, so typically I do the product and monetization side, but Bankula is doing it today. So when I do it, I always talk about the UX. So Bankula has conveniently skipped it. I'm not skipping it because I have a whole UX shit list fine. of ugly I UX. I even talk about the app. So, is, is, yeah. It's actually okay, fairly similar to a healthcare app in the u.s like it was Very. sort of like the website is like a dashboard like yeah. if you open if you're in the u.s and you have a insurer and they have an app there's a reason you don't look at it all the time it's like here's a list of providers <laughs> it's just functional here's a, how, yeah, it's yeah. Just, it just works does what it's supposed to do i don't like the ui design but that's like a i'm yeah so i went on their website the website is actually clean easy to understand talks about all the key things you need to know, even if you're just interested in knowing about it versus using it. Yeah. I didn't use the app that much. I just glanced by it. It looked good. So they're not on the ugly shit list and they're not on the most attractive list. But I'll say it's clean, looks simple. Based on the screenshot of the app, it looks fine. So we're, we're not going to add them to any list. Yeah. It just looks straightforward and simple. Very easy yeah. to understand. They need yeah. they need uh, they need better lighter on the eye color same colors lighter on the eye rounded corners lots of white space different font different spacing and kerning of the letters and even ah, better so I think it's close the there. fonts I agree with the fonts so differentiate yeah, the different font aspect of the, the yeah what 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 piece yeah. you're highlighting right yeah the yeah, kerning yeah. the use of italics is weird in random places it just needs like a consistent visual identity but they're halfway there so I I think it, I'm not I, I actually don't. Like, especially for healthcare, is like, you shouldn't be opening your healthcare app every day. You know what I'm saying? Like, you shouldn't <laughs> if be you open it, they should kick you out of the plan. You're yeah, doing so, yeah, something possibly. wrong. Yeah, there's something wrong. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So, try to estimate the revenue numbers. Do you want me to go through it now? Yeah. Or do you, should we go can, through it you, can, you can go through You can go through it. It's fine. Okay. So, yeah. I'm going to go, go through it. But I'm feel free to interject. One thing to know about this estimate, this is just rough ballpark based on the numbers we have. If anyone has the actual revenue, send it to us, Bankoid Afrobilly, Illuminate Afrobilly. We're going to go through some estimates. They're going to be based on the number of uh, policies we got from before. Okay, so the anchor of the analysis and the guesstimate is the 12,000 number from 2019 November. It's not the 200,000 number because that 200,000 number, unclear whether it's monthly lifetime, but the 12,000 one, for sure, it's monthly active. 
So I'm going to do some projections on 2019 of November. Okay, so using the pricing of five-ish dollars to okay, I'll, I'll, no, I'll assume some growth. I'll assume some growth. You'll see. You'll see. You'll see. So using the pricing, Bankley said five dollars per month to fifteen dollars per month. That's the cheapest, most expensive plan. So that's the range. But in 2019, it was ten dollars a month. But okay, but I hear you. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Because I know you're about to come up with some. Do you know why I'm no, no, interjecting? Because I know you're going to come up to a disgusting, oh, oh, up to a disgusting oh, number that's going to annoy me. That's why I'm $10 trying to tell you. Five okay. to fifteen. Continue. So I don't, I don't know what your point. It's still within okay, the, the, the middle of the range. It's all good. Okay. Continue. So if if we take twelve thousand monthly active policies, we multiply by five dollars per month to fifteen dollars per month. It means the monthly revenue as of twenty nineteen November was sixty k to one eighty k per month. Right? We analyze that. That's zero point seven million to two point one million. Mm -hmm. Analyzed revenue as of 2019 November. Luckily for us, Reliance also said when they raised the Series B, we've had an annual growth rate, revenue growth rate of 3.5x per year. So mm -hmm. 3.5x every year is what the revenue increase is. I didn't know if, it was, I didn't know if it was per year. I thought it was total since bet, but since, since no, no, how can it be total for seven years? It means every, okay. no, it's, it's it's per year. It's it's mm -hmm. yearly growth rate. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if if it's growing by 3.5x every year. And we say 2019 November to 2022 November. So that's three years, 3.5x growth. Trust me, I have a calculator, blah, 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 blah. It means the 2022 revenue, the 2022 November revenue, 7 million mm -hmm. to 22 million annualized. However, the caveat to know about this number is number one, when they say their yearly revenue has been increasing by 3.5x, that's averaged out. Because of COVID, the last mm -hmm. couple of years may have been higher than the average. Mm -hmm. So this may be underplaying the numbers. Number two, there's some weird dollar stuff happening. Narrow was 480, 580, mm -hmm. but it's fine. It's within the range, like Bankoli said. So let's say 7 million to 22 million. If you ask me, almost everyone should have the cheapest plan. So it's probably closer to the 7 than the 22. I'm, I'm very, very doubtful that that many people are willing to pay more, but I could be wrong. Also, the business users will even pay lower than the cheaper plan. So maybe even closer to the 7 than the 22. Okay, if we try to use the 200,000 number from 2022 February, mm -hmm. it gets almost the same number, but I'm gonna leave the 2019 and project it because the 2022 number, they weren't clear with monthly active. So mm -hmm. let's say 7 million to 2022, uh, let's say 7 million to 22 million, I would say way close to the seven for the annualized revenue. Obviously if it's per month, divide by 12. So considering their valuation of 200-ish million mm -hmm. and this 10-ish million, not too bad. Twenty X is a bit generous, if you ask me, but it's not. It's not outrageous. It's not your, like your range is know, some, your range is seven. Your range is seven to twenty-two, right? Yes. And if it's twenty-two, it's two hundred plus million. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's not twenty because the business users get discounts, and even regular retail people get the seven. Maybe they use it less, as well. Maybe. Maybe they're maybe, more profitable. Maybe. So you get into Maybe. all these kind of weird things. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, if I pay for insurance out of pocket, best believe I'm going to, you don't need to remind me about my annual checkup. Here <laughs> 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 yeah, towards the end of the year, trying to optimize the rest of my insurance plan. I'm like, yo, I need, I'll get my glasses. So, so anyway, that was a, a long segue. I think the big yeah. takeaway, if you get, if you got lost with the numbers is they're making some revenue. It's yeah. likely the revenue is high. It, before I did the numbers, I thought the revenue would be pitifully small. It's actually quite high. Thank for the COVID bump. The only thing is number one, revenue is not gross margins, which is not mark, which is not mm -hmm. net cash. And then number two, the growth of the revenue is probably more important than the actual top line, but very interesting to see. I would say cool, some progress, a little bit rich on the valuation, but COVID bump is good. So that's my, those the are my thing, The other thing I will also say is I don't know that most Nigerians like think of the hospital, even if they have insurance, unless something is super serious. You know what I'm saying? Like when I worked 
living and working like again i was a young healthy you know person in my 20s so it's diff- definitely different um hmm. but it was like of course i felt sick during that time but i don't remember ever going to the hospital even though i had great insurance right. no I, I agree with you the only time the only reason why i think that may not be as applicable in this case is in this case reliance is done marketing the person has chosen to sign up and Reliance is reminding them of how useful their insurance is. So they'd be more likely to use it than just you when you were younger, right? Because in this yeah, case, like, yeah. there's like a self-selecting. You saw the ad, you signed up, they, yeah. they're telling you what you're paying for. You're more likely to use it because you literally found it and paid on your own volition. The, the answer will change if they're corporate. The, your answer, your pessimism will change on two things. So let me let me actually even tell you two things, two things. I'll talk about medical loss ratio in a second. But the first is, if they have a higher mix of corporate customers, your pessimism will change completely and all of that goes out in the window. Possible, right? Paystack, PwC, Possible, but then the revenue would be stuff. lower based on the discounts. But it'd be higher margins. That's, lower that's top line. yeah, but what if they have better plans? You think Paystack is getting 3-5 plan for its employees? Like It's of course probably not. even cheaper. Paystack is not getting 3-5 plan for its employees. Oh, you're saying, yeah. okay, so I, I'm saying, okay, okay, no, we're, you yeah. and I are talking about two slightly different things. I'm saying whatever yeah. plan, whatever category of plan they're getting is cheaper than the retail number. Yeah. So if they get a 3-5, they'll probably pay 2K. But they may be getting the 18K. Diamond plan. plan. Yeah, exactly. Because right. yeah. why, okay. why would you okay. look at and get a 3 plan? If, if you're the head of HR for PwC, would you pick the diamond plan? Fuck that. Yes. I'm giving everyone it's, the no, base plan. No, no, no. I know you like <laughs> shit in PwC. You work in PwC Nigeria. I think, if I'm, I don't if I'm think paying it, you 100K, it's not, why should I pay lot, you? No, 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 no. no. I, I, dis, I disagree completely. <laughs> okay, but by, by the way, I've shout out to you. PwC employees. Listen, I love email, you. email Ulumide and tell him that he's talking trash. Um, I'm not going to tag all the PwC people in this thing. I'm going to publish it. No. But, but so yes, so there's that, right? The second thing is, <clears throat> what about the numbers? I'm going to talk about this a little bit now. So there's, typically in the US, you, you have insurance companies, health insurance companies have this thing called a medical loss ratio, right? In the US, you're supposed to use 80%, 80, 85%. The ACA mandates it. If you sell ACA, you have to use 80, 85% of premiums collected for actual healthcare, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to use it for the actual healthcare, the doctors, like either you pay out to the doctors or use it for the healthcare. 20, 15 to 20% is what is marketing, profits, everything, OPEX, overhead, expenses. Yeah, administration. 15, administration, right? I don't know. I couldn't find any similar law in Nigeria. It but it seems, it seems like, yeah, but it seems like, exactly. But it seems like a fair split. Like what is, because what I was trying to look for is what is a reasonable share of premiums that insurance companies use for healthcare, but is left for, or what is left for them to use for OPEX and profits, right? So even if we say 80-20 as a gold standard, right? If they have first party, if they have less usage, they can be clearing 30, 40% gross margin. Which is, which is like not to be laughed at, which is basically you need to s- spend that money to grow. But are you sure it would increase that much because of the first party? When I did research, the first party is a very, very small proportion of their network. No, no, no. I, I think the change would be not as big as you think. Not because most, of the most first party. Most of the network is still so, third party. Not because of the first party, but like the integrated healthcare. So like they have telemedicine, they do drug delivery. So they bring a lot of stuff in house. They do text, yeah, telemedicine. It's a a portfolio, right? Because it's integrated, you can can squeeze across across different parts of the system and you can actually get a higher margin than that, let's call it 20% benchmark that you see in the US, right? And if you have that that better margin, you are actually, it can be consistent. That margin can only get wider as you scale because of how insurance works, right? Mm. And they acquire more and more of a pool you basically okay. get more you, you, margin and get more profitable as you grow. Yeah, you, you, you and I so have a is, different perspective on it. We land in the same place. I think the reason the margins are better is because all the salaries and costs are cheaper for the people. You're thinking about the integrated. I don't no, buy that, but we no, get no. to the same place. I just think paying people, salaries, doctors, way cheaper, make their margins better. So we get to the same answer, no. but I don't think it's because of offset or the no, network. No. I think it's just the salaries, but it's fine. I think you're missing the point. No, 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 no. The margins get better. 
Like the business gets way better over time. Like that's no, no, we're thing. saying the same thing. But your approach together is different. I don't believe the, the integrated stuff is as good as you think it is, and if, people not using it is it's the no, salaries. That's, that's it. Okay, that's fine. Whatever it is, I, I'm saying it's a portfolio. Of, I'm saying it's many different small things. What I, what I don't understand is how all of that makes you less optimistic, and it makes me more optimistic. That's I what I'm we, we, Okay, we're, we're going to draw because I, I, I okay. see that, and I'm saying that like that seems like a pretty hmm. If you can acquire, yeah. if you can grow, if you can keep costs low. If you get a bigger pool of people to insure, just in the way nature insurance works by pooling risk, you get to keep more of the premiums just the way insurance works. And you squeeze out costs of the system through all this tech and stuff we're talking about and claims and fraud management and the benefits of scale and squeezing higher margins and squeezing better rates from doctors, all that stuff. Like the only way is up. Um, yes. And that makes oh, me more optimistic, okay. but you, you end up in less optimistic. I terms. really want to respond, but I'm going to leave it till the end. Okay. okay. Should I do competition and options for exit? Or do you want anything else on yeah. product monetization? No, just, 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 the, just, the, just the competition and let's like let's and let's go. Okay, okay. So competition. I mean, we literally had a whole episode of all the insure techs in West Africa. Um, the way to think about it, the first thing to think about competition is the first competition is most we don't have insurance, obviously, right? Like whatever, ninety-seven to ninety-eight. So it's not other companies. It's apathy. Don't care. Don't give a shit. Want to use their own money? That's the actual competition. So if you want to hear more about the competition. Listen, we spoke about Cassava. We spoke about a few other startups. We spoke about some B2B players doing integration. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because it's not so, so relevant. If 97% of people don't have insurance, it wouldn't be so, so useful. However, if you're very interested, listen to our InsureTech episode. We have a few of them. Um, Bima a little bit, but Bima is in other countries, not really Nigeria. Cassava a little bit, but Cassava just launched a few other companies doing B2B like Curacel, mm -hmm. but not, not super relevant because literally like one to 2% of people have insurance. So yeah. They, they, the other thing is there's a lot of um, there's a lot of HMOs um, as well in Nigeria especially yeah. there's a there's a ton of HMOs I think I want to maybe break it down in two parts there's HMOs that are this premium layer let's call it that premiums layer where they get mm. premiums distribute some of the premiums and they keep it light keep it tight um, they try to avoid adverse selection and move on and give you small coverage so there are plans that offer as much as low as a thousand naira which is a dollar 25 for insurance a yeah, month but they only cover selected items select things and things like that so but there's a couple of other ones linked to hospitals so Hygiea most famously linked to Lagoon yes. Hospital in Lagos yes. you know Lagoon Hospitals they yes. have their own kind of sort of HMO Rodin has one so Correct. I'm just going to walk down CribMD Hygiea, Red Care, Mansard, Mansard. Crib empty? C R I B. Any anybody can. You know, again, I said <laughs> HMO. HMO, HMO. HMO is, is a five is a hustle. In return, Anchor, get to the podcast. Anchor, LifeWorth, Swift, Ico, Total Health Trust, Leadway Health. Even insurance companies sell health plans because you just package it, right. right? You package it and you administer the plan, right? So why? So the insurance companies, most of them sell health plans as well. MedPlan, Healthcare International, ProHealth, Clearlight. There's Honestly, maybe 50, 60 HMOs in Nigeria. So what they're doing is not unique. There's a small, smaller proportion of the HMOs that have facilities themselves, like Rodin Hospital, if you know. I don't know if I'm pronouncing right, either tell me. Um, I think Evercare might have one. I think um, Lagoon has one. Right. Where Blue Chip Hospitals, you have their own plans as well. Um, yes. But, but, but are they, I mean, I, I, I want to go deeper in it, but it's just that most people have low incomes and are poor, and most people don't use a lot of these services. These ones are for richer people, getting it through jobs. They live in specific areas. So yeah, there are some companies, but I, th I think they're all super early and they don't have wide widespread adoption. No, no, no. I don't, I think they have, I think that, I don't think that's true. 
Like these companies, so their com the HMO competitors have widespread adoption. They're just not in YC, is what I was trying to say. No, no, no. The, the insurance rate is 1%. 99% of people don't use it. No, we no, have the they stats. Have, they have widespread adoption relative to, um, what's his face? To uh, to Reliance HMO. So I think, oh, so what oh, I was teasing out is no, no. I'm talking about overall, the overall no. market is most of the people there's are a, under insurance. There's a, there's a sizable, um, so I think it's what I, the important takeaway from the competitors part is I don't think they're the, only HMO. There are lots of different HMOs. Definitely not. And I don't. And I'll be surprised if they're the biggest HMO. I'll be surprised if they're even top five largest HMOs by even policies. I don't know. Yes. Maybe they are. Maybe they are not. It's actually a very interesting you're, thing. You're going down a different path. The key takeaway for me is the insurance competitive landscape is underpenetrated because most people have insurance. Your takeaway is for the people that do have insurance, they have a lot of options. So our take our yeah. takeaways are complementary. Um. Okay, okay. So, so, so that that's that. One thing I wanted to note before we leave this competitor section is, if you listen to our health tech trilogy, quadrilogy, I think we spoke M Pharma, 54 Gene, Helium Health, yeah. those three, and Bima, so, so, so four. It's interesting to see that other large tech startups are not doing this business directly. The only, only competitors, like Banco were mentioning, they're not quote-unquote tech startups. Now, that's not a good or bad thing, but it's interesting to note that even though the other large tech players, they're sort of doing slightly different things. Like M Pharma with the clinics, 54 Gene with this. So we'll see how it all develops. But I, I, I was I was surprised to see the other large tech companies are not doing this. Like Healing Health is EHR, and so our episodes, M Pharma's clinics, so different, um, which means they get more offline competitors than you would expect. But again, they're small. Okay, exits. I love talking about exits. So I had a lot of thoughts on this. In the best case, it looks like they would be acquired by a large player who believes in the integrated piece in the integrated um, approach, right? So I was thinking, oh, it would be so amazing if Kaiser bought them. Because one of the initial things when they did the pivot was, oh, we want to be like Kaiser. But I just think that's unlikely. I did some research. Kaiser doesn't do that much M&A. I don't know if they care about Africa. Fine. And I was, okay, what about just large old school insurance players? When we did the InsurTech episode, remember how you said a lot of large insurance players are already on the cap tables anyway. They're already investing. Yeah. So yeah. if they're already investing, they could see it as a potential acquisition. We spoke about um, Old Mutual. I think we spoke about Discovery, a lot of them. But then yeah. most of the people in South Africa. I think Swiss, Swiss in Africa, or something. It, it, yeah. So, but, so I don't know how well it worked for a Nigerian company because most of those old school investors on cap tables are in South African cap tables. I don't know how many of them are in Nigerian cap tables. So when we went through all the investors for, let's, we're talking about Reliance right now, basically almost zero old school insurance on the cap table. Like YC, Tencent, Venture Platform, Golden Palm. So I don't know. Um, so basically, maybe a, I maybe think- a merge, Maybe a merger, I think. There's a couple Ooh. of really good, really good HMOs in the market that like, you don't need to be splitting a bunch of these things across two different things. Like we have the same as network where we're splitting finances. I think there's a bunch of smaller, there's a bunch of acquisitions and measures to be done, but almost, yeah. it's just like not yet. It's like not yet. Yes, definitely not yet. It would be it would be curious if it's like a large offline player that buys them. That would be weird because how the offline player have so much money to buy them? They're already, we said 200 to 250 million. Does any offline insurer in Nigeria have, you have to play, you have to pay a margin, obviously four or $500 million, highly unlikely. So it could, what, what I think will be interesting, but almost impossible is if they do not an exit, but a merger with the other large health tech companies, that's not going to happen. So let's see how it all evolves. Basically the long and short of that episode is it's a bit early, not sure who's going to buy them. It'll probably be some other health player in Africa, unlikely to be an international player, but I would love to see an international player buy them. Mm -hmm. There's also the IPO route, but I just think un unlikely. It's too early. It's all, it's they need a, a lot more progress yeah. to do that. 
Yeah, in ten years, why not? Right? If they yeah, no, if, if they last for ten years, to other countries. Yeah. Oh my God, the likelihood for IPOs is very likely. But yeah. in the I, current one to three year time frame, it would have to be an acquisition bullish. for them to exit. Pretty bullish. That's what I'm thinking. It's like I, I think mine is more. I think they're they're fine as a standalone company. I actually don't think that they're threatened as a standalone company. It's one of the cool things about insurance is you can be small and profitable, and the markets they're in are so underpenetrated that. They can take of two, course. three, four, five competitors are far away from like consolidation being required and they are ahead. So I, I actually think that the prospects of standalone company are positive. Okay. With that, oh, we're finally going to wrap. Okay. You want to go or you want me to go? We're at the end, um, finally. This I can, I, can, fun. I, can, I can go. So I think a couple of parts. One is on the founding story and second, in the greatest solution and just integrated versus modular, modular solution. So just three parts to my... Summary. So on the founding story, I did like, I hear about founder market fit, but it's like you would want like a, a doctor who knows doctors, who knows other doctors, like his dad, who can help you with intros to tell you how the industry actually works. Uh, mm-hmm. Worked at Goldman, worked on healthcare financing deals in London mm-hmm. in a big market. It's kind of like one of those mm-hmm. things that the founder market fit is strong. Uh, thanks I for family coaching it guys. I was very, it's also um, like he had a pivot with another health idea. He lived mm-hmm. overseas for a while. He has some finance edu- education yeah. and work investment banker. Worked as a doctor. It's yeah. it's great. It's great. And 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 I thought that the other thing on the founder market fit is the awareness to hire and bring in the right people. Even though he was a doctor, and first doctor was like, "Yo, I need to build out a team with the co-founders, with the professional CEO, first couple of years, yeah. with the and 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 build a business." Like one of the things that is hard to access for startups and paystack has that, uh, for example, is just goodwill of customers. Like people who use Reliance Health generally have nothing terrible to say. I, you know, I'm sure somebody's going to find something terrible to say to me. But it's like people <laughs> like it because I, you see more about the other HMOs. Where people are always like, oh, they pay. And the doctors are like, they pay. Because you go and the doctors believe that Reliance is going to pay them their money. In the US, they just take a credit card and send you a bill. Insurance doesn't, you know, in the US, they don't pursue you. But yeah, in Nigeria... The insurers are, are, you know, have the hospitals, healthcare providers have to take on the risk. And they've managed to build out positive karma with the users and the healthcare providers, from what I can tell, compared to others. So I really do like the founding story. And then go on to raise in this, honestly, relatively uninteresting, as far as VCs are concerned, not objectively uninteresting, but from like a, it's not fintech perspective, but continuing to raise and just be a, a super shining light here. So very, very fascinating. Yeah. One, one thing to add to that is I love the part of the story where they pitched during YC Demo Day. They got very, very few likes, few interests. And then they were like, oh, he told the co-founder, you know, we're not even, <laughs> we're not even in America until we get out uh, money. Yeah. So just, there's something about that story. Now, eventually, the co-founder met someone from Tencent. They pitched to Tencent. They got the money. Something about the story just makes me think, oh, re- relentless personality, yeah. which is, yeah. you, you need that in this game. So, cool. It's good. So... So uh, we talked about, I've talked about the second thing, I've talked about this a lot is, I think the integrated solution is interesting. I think that having a premium, this premium zero would be very uninteresting. I think that the best case is, is for the healthcare problem in an integrated solution, from like a finances perspective and some of the back of numbers you did earlier, for me, it starts to get more interesting once you're integrated and only interesting once you get integrated because you can really focus on how do I keep more of my premiums, even if you take of that as a problem statement. Even if the problem statement should be, how do I keep customers healthy? But the, you know, the outcome is the same. 
how to get more my premiums and then what makes sense is that you want to keep people healthy, which is why Discovery Health is very, they're probably the ones that have gamified this the most in the world in South Africa. But they give that's customers- That's on, on, on dog one joke? Yeah, that's people on, on dog one, right? They, they give you gym memberships. They, like basically, yo, if you work out, they give you points you can use in the store to get stuff. So you're basically getting rewarded if you work, like if you check into their gym, they, you know, you get points that you can then use to buy stuff in the store. So stuff like mm. that. And it seems to me that's where they are going. They're not there yet, but it's clear to me that's what they would like to build in these markets. And that's where you start to build a big business. By the way, Discovery is massive, even if that is the North Star. And maybe Discovery buys them. I didn't even think about that, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, actually, I had it. I forgot to put it here. Old Mutual, yeah. Discovery, we'll, we'll see. Because Discovery yeah. isn't that big in Nigeria. So it would be like a yeah. geoplay. Yeah. So so the, it starts to get interesting financially if they reach scale and, and they can keep the cost of care down through preventative care. I don't think that the other HMOs have that incentive. I don't think anybody else has that incentive or that ability or that interest or that scale or those, those techniques. Like if you take people and you know, like people 35 to 40 are liable to have X or women 35 are liable to have X, I mean, and you know, if they work out, they reduce the risk by Y. Therefore, I will literally give them 500 naira for this workout plan every week and give them 500 off if they do that. Okay. I thought you were going to say those things. reminder notification. And you said straight cash. I love that. Straight, straight cash, cash is the way to straight go. Straight cash. Straight, straight cash. Because I, I save a ton of money. Like, I can't imagine yeah. my, insurer, my insurer messaging me now saying, they'll give me a Fitbit. And if I fill my rings every day, do that, which is what a lot of these companies do. So that's that's one thing. I, that's the second part is that the financial plan for an air solution. Third thing is more, this is probably part of my conclusion for every setup now, is the online versus offline and the truly online no. companies don't exist. Mm-hmm. I think what this means is basically... African tech solutions have to be integrated versus modular. It's very difficult. That's why probably in one way why payments is so attractive. It's been payments is probably one of the few places you can build a layer and make money. And even mm-hmm. they are building, they're going up to build shops and stores and you know, and, and doing all other things and building their own closed payment networks for payments. So even mm-hmm. then, even that is difficult, but that's probably more, most likely. But you find in many other businesses is you just you just have to have this integrated approach to solution development to really make a dent. In the problem, but even more so financially for your business. That just Would you being say a that applies to, to South Africa? Because since South Africa is more advanced, when we did the sector episodes, it looks like there you could be you could pick off specific spots yeah, because pick, the whole industry is more evolved. But that's an outlier. Yeah. yeah, you can pick up you can pick off a layer because the identification layer is, is structured. The hospital quality mm-hmm. layer is handled by the government and your taxes you pay. Or like stuff like that, right? And in Nigeria, it's like, no, you better do all of that because I don't know what you're going to get if I send you to a hospital. I really don't know what you're going to get. And that's basically what everybody does when they look at these plans is hospital list. Because they're like, hmm, I don't even know if this hospital is part of it. I don't know what I'm going to get because that hospital was good when I was 19. But that was how many years ago? <laughs> so I don't know if it's good anymore. Go on, do I want to visit? It just gets messy, right? Funny. And I think as a founder... Of founders thinking about this, the real thing is it's not necessarily nice to have. You really cannot build a tech solution. You really need to think about your entire service value chain and going up or down. And we've seen that in different, like Iroko TV going to make content, like, mm-hmm. or and, and going the offline customer acquisition. You see that just over mm-hmm. and over again. You really need to go up and down your value chain because you cannot provide a high quality product to customers because you just end up providing a terrible product to customers that annoys them and that, that it just ruins your product in the first place. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's it, it, isn't the implication thing. then it, it affects your, your cost basis? It, it, it sounds positive. There's some negative implications. You, no, you have, to, you have to spend money to make money. I don't think, that's like saying like, oh, I need to work out to have weights, to have muscle. Like, bro, like, yeah, that's what you do. You could spend time in the gym. But if you're going to be buff, you got to spend time in the gym. If you're going to make money, you have to solve hard problems. <laughs> hard problems bring big profits. You know, it's like, it's not like, 
They're just gonna build an API and then go to bed. What's that? What do you think I'm doing here? You know, you gotta you yeah. gotta move towards the hard. You got you have to move towards the hard parts of the problem you're trying to solve. When your instincts have to move away from it, I think founders mm-hmm. that do that can build really bigger, much more sustainable businesses. Because now you're thinking now basically the question we're having, I think I'm having on Reliance is how big can it get? Not so much can this exist or is this viable or is this a business or is this like a is this a machine that can take a dollar and turn it to a dollar twenty? You're like oh maybe it's a dollar five, you know. Maybe it's a dollar ten. Maybe it's ninety nine cents. We're not saying that like, yo, this is a dollar for fifty five cents. You know, nobody's saying like, <laughs> basically. We, we, which we've said in for other companies. For other companies, that right? They're taking a dollar and yeah. turning to forty cents. So these guys are like, no, yeah. whether it's ninety five, it might be ninety two. <laughs> maybe if they get to scale, it's ninety one, and and mm. maybe they get to a dollar twenty. Maybe it's a dollar seventy, and those are like some, you know, reasonable people can disagree about that, but I think reasonable people can can agree that it's that integrated solution is what has led them to have the options that allow them to switch on those things as they grow, right? And that's what I was trying to highlighting. Yeah. Final part. Is, it reminds okay. me Go of ahead. the, the M Pharma, Pharma episode when they were like, okay, supply chain, operating system. Next thing you know, they just started buying like Buy pharmacy. pharmacy. Yeah. You know, like what the hell? Yeah. And like they were buying yeah. them like in bulk. Yeah. So uh, yeah. yeah, I guess it, it, when, when you look at the customer, the whole point of the company is to help customers, help make their life better. And if they need that extra layer, you have to do it. Otherwise you're not completing the journey. Not, so it makes sense. It still just bothers me the implications for how the costs scale up. But, let's, but that's neither let's, here nor, nor let's take there. let's take it even further. Let's take even take out the second order implication. It means how much funding they need. It means how how much exactly. longer they'll be unprofitable before they yes. can actually make money. Because that's oh, what the know. investor would look at and meet, like, oh, gross margins, growth change over. It's not just the top yeah. line. Top line yeah. is just is all how the margins flow, and the margins will flow in a different way if you're yeah. taking a, a lot of infra costs and the viability so. of the ecosystem and the kind of business we need. I think that like those are just uncomfortable realities. I don't even think those are opinions. I think those are just, yeah, that's just those are just life. That's just that's just the way the cookie crumbles in many of these emerging markets. And you you are playing that game whether you like it or not. And if you're investing in something that does not does not have that <laughs> that has like a super low cost structure, you know, there's only one I can think of, maybe Gigi. They're like, mm-hmm. you know, but even Gigi has tried many different things, right? And the bucket uh, car thing. You yes. know. So there's 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 not it's ver- it's been difficult to build stuff at scale without this OPEX. Right. And, and, and I and, and maybe not. Op- I don't want to be clear. It's not that you need to spend money to make money. That's lazy. It's that you need an. No, 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 no. It's not just more money. It's a, you, you have to offer. You have to offer a wider variety of things to make sure your customers are happy. And those wider variety of things have some implications. Yeah, it could be yeah. higher opex, but not necessarily. It could be more yeah. time. It could be building yeah. the products in a different way. It could be more partnerships. There, it's just it's just yeah. a wider variety of services, aka integrated approach. It means it means it's actually your problem now. Let's put it that way. <laughs> If people can't make it, to, you know, it's actually your problem now for the major yeah. markets because there's nobody else offering. Like if you build a gym in the U.S. and people get into the gym, Uber solves that problem. You know, Uber has a solution to that problem and the city has mm. a mass transit solution to that problem. But if you build a gym and people can't get to it, it's your problem. Like otherwise customers won't come. It's kind of a strange thing in many major markets. It's a terrible analogy. Anyways, that's that. Final thing is on competition. I wasn't going to talk about this, but I think it's actually exciting. Because I think the market can take three, four, five of these companies. I think somebody can of take course. them and do something super well funded, better acquisitions. And I think for that one to three percent penetration, of course, you could take a lot more. No one has for that. Yeah. For for that reason, that becomes maybe one of their bigger threats. Like just like unknown unknowns. Like somebody's like these guys are clowning. Like these guys are dilly dallying. Let's let's go yes. big. It's actually it's part of my 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 bear like, case. It would be if discovery company- discovery launches in Nigeria, right? And they come and they just like. 
I want to, you know, give somebody, give, <laughs> use a rocket internet model, get a bunch of people, give them crazy targets, build like five gyms, you know, five big gyms sure. for members. Monthly all of a sudden, insurance, 500 now. Oh, all of a sudden, <laughs> one last one. HMO is, <laughs> you doing machine learning. He's doing machine learning. <laughs> Changes the dynamic instantly. <laughs> but they won't come now. Nigeria is hard. Discovery has lent all the dead bodies of other South African businesses. MTN mm-hmm. has suffered in all Nigeria. They need to, all they need to do is game. ask Naspers. This game has suffered. Naspers has mm-hmm. suffered. ShopRite has... They are not doing it again. Mr. Price has suffered. Spar has suffered. Nando's has... They've tried. Yo, they're <laughs> not doing it again. No, South African businesses in Nigeria have... The only people that have... DSTV, everybody, the ones that have stayed, they've chopped crazy fine. Mm. <laughs> they're chopping MTN, fine on a regular MTN basis. MTN, multi-choice, multi-choice, all them, chopping crazy fines and just stressful. They'll tell them, you cannot increase the price of the service. What do you mean? I'm, pay- <laughs> <laughs> I'm paying for license. They tell me, I can, oh, a, I'm paying three billion or something for for Premier League. You're telling me I can only sell so <laughs> 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 I'm not doing it again. Better collect this TV by yourself. <laughs> Um, I, I read an article right before we started about some country that capped what Uber could charge the drivers. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> what does that mean? Uh-huh. 18%. What do you mean you cap it? They have uh-huh. to make money some way. Does They're it, just going to increase the overall money going to, to the, the passengers they, then. So they anyway. Increase it. So it's actually, so again, those are the kind of risks of the face. But that's my conclusion is great founding story. Definitely, I love the integrated solution approach and integrated solution for startups. And competition continues to be an unseen risk. But at the same time, it's like, it's one of those things that you just learn to live with. Like I don't, of course. Yeah, as far as like you know, you know, as the guys say, like we welcome competition. You're, Anything you're else on your you know. conclusion? That was very, that that's was very all. thorough. That's all. That's all. So my conclusion: five different categories. So the patients, uh, the founders, the sector, bear case and bull case. So patients, easy, easy. I just love the fact that there are now more options for people to not pay out of pocket costs because a lot of times, like it's very hard for a regular persons to do the financial modeling to figure out. If I don't go to the hospital for X years, will be the long-term impact on my health. So just now yeah. there's another option where you can actually say, okay, well, three, five, it's not that expensive. It's not that cheap, but at least it's reasonable. Mm-hmm. It's within it's within a reasonable band where people can say, okay, company has a good reputation. If I go, it may save me some money. I just like the fact there's more options. Same thing I said for 54G, same thing I said for M Pharma. I'm glad. I still think it's a little bit expensive, but I also understand they have to find a way to make the numbers work on the PL side. But and also depends on like like what? What are the limits? What are you actually covering? But overall, like positive. Hygia, Hygia with Lagoon Hospitals, which is Lagoon is like a sort of blue chip hospital in Nigeria. Their right. entry level plan is maybe five thousand naira or five five or so. So mm. it's more expensive mm. than their than the cheapest plan for these guys, right? Interesting. So and Hygia has a, a smaller network, so they have. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Small versus big guys. You get into paperwork. You know how like you know how <laughs> this less so. <laughs> This less so happens now, but uh, you yeah, know, you go to the insurance, yeah. you're like, sorry, my insurer said, as you come here, I don't know your insurer. <laughs> so I want to take the network stuff with a pinch of salt. Anybody can put name on the website. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to comment on that. Okay. Second piece uh-huh. is the founder's founding story. Bankley alluded to this earlier. I think it's a great story of like, he could have stayed at Goldman, right? Investment banking, make a lot of money do some transact, whatever investment bankers, shout out to my investment bankers. I'm sure y'all are doing something important. Count me, fuck out. Okay, but he moved back and he decided to do this. Also, the fact he pivoted, Mm -hmm. the fact he got another CEO just shows Femi and the founding team, they were open to try different things based on external feedback. So they weren't just like rigid. Overall positive, they were building building a business versus trying to be CEO, which is something you see. Important, yeah. So, So great founding story, very, very grateful to the founding team 
for doing this. Okay. Um, the sector, this, this one is quick. Health tech sector is so important to Africa. I'm glad, even though when I go through my bear case and bull case, you're going to see I'm negative on the company. I'm just glad that there are more startups trying things. Because if you look back at it, 54Gene, M Pharma, um, Helium Health, and Reliance, all of them were just founded like within the past five years. So things are happening at such a rapid pace. So very, very exciting. And almost all of them, 54Gene, maybe part two for the future, most of them seem to be making a lot of progress and doing reasonably well. I say most, we'll see how the story actually involves. They're still quite early, so don't quote me on that in five years if they're not doing so well. Okay, bear case and bull case. Bear case is very straightforward. The costs escalate um, either because of the way their networks are set up, based on the way they're modeling the risk, mm-hmm. basically people using the, the um, insurance. There, there are a lot of like things that could blow up their costs. But the biggest thing is the way they measure the likelihood of people actually filing the claim and the, prob- and the, peop- and the way the claims are actually processed with their partners. So we don't need to go into insurance math, but there, there are a lot of things that can blow up in- insurers. Um, but that's number one. Second part of the bear case is revenue deceleration. It's basically the other side of the coin. Um, the B2C consumer stuff, people just stop, stop wanting to pay either because of reputation, price, whatever. The B2B business, there's, there's some reason why businesses stop wanting to sign up or businesses start to push for bigger discounts, whatever. Another big part of this is, we, we don't know the details, but I'm actually curious to see the breakdown on the B2B side of small businesses versus big businesses versus mid-sized businesses. The weird thing about revenue is you have revenue deceleration if you just get, start to get more of a different type of business. Let's mm-hmm. say 50% were big customers, and then over time it becomes 10% small customers. Your revenue just decelerates. It's not because you're doing anything wrong. It's just because your customer profile is now different, and small companies have fewer employees. So there are a few things because of time. Let's not get into it. Another problem. Bear case, last piece is just... I'm curious if other tech companies start to offer insurance services as a loss leader. So what does that mean in regular English? Right now, there's so many different tech companies and there are different ways you can play it where like you can literally underprice because you're making money from somewhere else. Mm. Now, Reliance doesn't have that opportunity, but it's something I'm always thinking about because when consumers don't have money and you're uh, a player, the key thing to think about is, okay, we don't charge them for X, but we charge them for Y. We don't charge them for... I'm, I don't know if it'll actually happen, but it would worry me a lot. We can make up a bunch of names. We could do Chipper. Yeah. We could do Cuda. We could do Opay. There's an infinite set of companies that want to offer Bro. insurance, and they can do it as loss leader. Make money. Like, lending gives yeah. you way more money than all this shit. I'm not saying Opay is going to do this. I'm not saying Cuda is going to do this, but I, that, to me, is a big problem. Yeah. You know, I actually don't think that's a big as big. It's a problem conceptually. I don't think it's a big problem practically. I'll tell you why in a second. It's because I don't think that insurance that anybody can bundle is replacing insurance that you need for life. You know what I mean? Like it's like tell me more. Tell me more. So so I can get an insurance plan now for a thousand naira. I think MTN was doing some bundled insurance with credits. When you buy credits, they bundle insurance. I can't remember what startup I was looking at where, where as part of the plan, they give insurance cover for a month. Some random. Well, it was like a car lending thing or something. Okay. But that's going to but be. You're saying you don't process. think it's durable. I'm I'm saying that it's durable, but I don't think it replaces. I think customers put those things in two different components of their use case. It's like mm-hmm. I wouldn't just be like, oh, because uh, I don't know, gg.ng I'm making this up. It's giving me insurance for every. But I I don't think anybody's under the illusion that that insurance is what's going to cover me. Okay, no, no, I see, I see, I see. So I, I don't see, think that's a exactly like the, the, okay. the customer segments are different, right? Is that I, like I, I, I don't see, think I a see. customer will say like, oh. Kuda now bundles insurance with his lending. Now I have insurance through Kuda, man. Good luck now. You yes. Know? Like, I don't think that they believe that. I don't think that, that the insurance replaces what they're selling. Because even today, yes. you can get insurance for a thousand naira a month with a web portal, same as them, with a list of hospitals, with a list of things that look good value. I, I think I don't think that's a... 
because of the pricing, I don't think that's a big, big as big a risk in practice. In theory, maybe, so, so in practice. I so that's so. fair. That's fair in practice. I'm just not sure if. Okay, so there's a company called Row Health, and what Row Health does is, is it sort of like Curacell in a way, but a little mm-hmm. bit different. You can integrate with any other company, and that company will offer insurance from everyone else. So let's say Rural Health integrates with uh, Chipper Cash. Chipper Cash mm-hmm. can now offer insurance from every insurance provider within its app. So it's not Chipper Cash providing Chipper Cash insurance. Yeah. Is Chipper Cash like leading, showing you a list of 15 different types of insurance you can get? In which case, obviously, you're less likely to pick Reliance because they're just part of a broader list and app you're already using. So there are a bunch of different scenarios. Maybe they're, they're theoretical. It's just there's just something about this business. It just seems too. It's too dependent on regular customers wanting to pay for something they don't want to pay for. That is what I said like two weeks ago. There's something that bothers me about insurance in general. I just feel like people don't want to pay for it. How do you get them to not pay for it, not charge them directly? So um, anyway, that's that's the bear case. B2B, B2B. If you start a company today, you have to get one. You go to Mansard. I have friends who are startup founders, CEOs or stuff. If you start a company, you got to get, give people something. People are going to ask yeah. you, do you have insurance? You got to get them, you got to get them something. And then you, that's, yes. that's the business right there. I'm, I see that in theory, but I don't, I'm not okay. as worried about okay. the bundling or somebody having the customer acquisition channel over them. Like they will pay. Now it's in cheaper caches, in using the, the made up example you came up with, it's in cheaper caches best interest to charge for the top of the insurance page, right? Of and course. Reliance will pay now. Is, is it the others that you mentioned that will pay? So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so okay, the bull case. Yeah, I just feel good the about bear that. case. Talk about the bear case for now. Okay, bull case is basically the opposite. The key things about the bull case is let's think about the opposite of everything I just said, but adding a few things. Can they land companies with thousands or hundreds of thousands of employees? That's what I want to see. Like not not Jumia that doesn't have that many. Like hundreds of thousands at bulk and do that in a repeatable way. CBD they may have some, but there's a long way to go. Second piece of the bull cases, can they land, I hate to say this, but I have to, governments, (laughs) government workers with millions of of people. Now, obviously, government contracts, I've done this in the past, the discounts are insane. That 3,500 plan, the government says maybe it's 350. So obviously, there's some weird, I mean, you may actually be worse off, but I'm curious to just see them landing a lot of big people because this sort of seems what you're saying. It's it's needed. It's it's, not that hard. in, In order for me to be more bullish about the company, I need to see businesses they have hundreds of thousands, millions of employees doing it in bulk. I'm not buying the consumer stuff at all. So that's the key part of the bouquet. So overall, landing, yeah, Bancoli's face doesn't agree with me, but which is fine. Different opinions, fine. So overall, where do I land? 60% on the negative bear case, 40% on the positive bull case. I'm just, I'm negative on it. I just think revenue is limited. They charge so little for, for B2C, yet consumers don't want to pay. B2B, they charge even less. They give bulk discounts. Like... <laughs> The reason why I'm not even more negative is because the revenue is actually quite high, 7 to 22, let's say 10-ish. Um, I'm not sure about the churn rate. I don't have the data, but I'm sure the churn will be pretty high. To be honest, people just like, I've been paying for, for one year. I haven't done shit. I'm going to yeah. churn. Um, I also think fundamentally, even though they wouldn't say this, the best customer for Reliance is someone that doesn't use it. So even though they say it's in our best interest, we are aligned, I just think that they're not aligned. Like if they have a customer that's using Reliance all the time, going to the clinics, they're not going to make any money. So they say they're aligned, but from a pure, I'm going to say philosophical, (laughs) from a purely Mm -hmm. economical, rational perspective, the best customer is the worst customer financially. Um, And then their cost structure, it could get elevated. Nigerian hospitals, my aunts used to work in one of them. They're a complete mess. They're unstable. I don't know how payouts to clinics work. It could change. Um, I mean, there's a long, I'm not going to go down it, but yeah, 60 negative, 40 positive. It would be way more negative. But the fact they have some revenue, like seven times, it shows they're actually making progress. But I'm not, I'm not super optimistic. I wish them the best though. I hope I'm wrong. You, 
You know, actually, what's funny is that I Tell end me. up. So we started as neutral as positive. I ended up being way more positive. It's actually fascinating because of something you said in your <laughs> beer case. So it's like, oh, to get a government employer, like, it's actually not that hard. As far as I could when I say it's hard, it's, it's I, I, when I say something's not that hard, I want to be clear. I'm not saying that anybody can do it and it's easy. Yes. When we write scale, write relationships, you start agency by agency. Like, you yes, just go to agency, find your employees, you do that. For sure. And it's a better service than whatever they have now, if it is, if oh, it is. Oh, government stuff um, is based. But, but the only thing to know is it depends on the pricing discounts they give. It's good. Not if it's, the example, like, if they give 350 versus 3005 then there's no point getting the contract at all. You blow up but, the whole model. Yeah, but the thing about all the insurance as well is that it gets better with scale, right, by, by and large. Um, so I end up in a situation where I'm Because of the pool. About, For the audience who's not yeah. familiar with Bank Holiday saying, you, you spread the risk pool around, so your numbers yeah. should be better. And there's no reason why, let me pick it, why um, everybody in LSDPC is at higher risk of asbestos poisoning or something. Like, there's no... There's <laughs> no, there's no, there's no, there's no tell the audience what you're talking about now. No, no let, LSDPC, LSDPC is a government agency. So there's no reason why, like, uh, there's adverse selection within, like, a, a pool of employers. A pool of empl- no, they, they wouldn't. employers. In fact, you're, you're getting so many employees in bulk, it makes your yeah. adverse selection better. It's the opposite. Better. It's better selection because exactly. you're getting more and more people. It's just a bulk exactly. set of people. It's not so like they're I, all living in a building with poison, which could, so could exactly. actually happen. They're going to build. <laughs> exactly. It could actually happen maybe, but maybe not, right? Less likely. But but because of that, it just tells me like, you just you got to get big. You got to keep costs low. The rest of it is my, building an insurance business where you talk about all oh, payouts are variable. All those things is like, I, I would hope that like, they know how to price. Like, it's just like, it's like, that's like saying like, oh, with Paystack or oh, the API, it's hard to build an API that's reliable with 99% uptime. Like, yo, that's job number one, bro. Like, that's not even yes. about like the market or the industry yes. or regulation. Like, your API better work and it better be available 24-7. Like, it's mm. like, oh, I hope mm. they can build like scalable infra and software. But like, yo, that's job one. That's not like, nothing to do with- I hope know, so. Anyways, end up being more positive. Let's not yes. dwell on it too much. Recommendations yes. are so I mean, the, the good part is, sorry right. to repeat what I said before, they're actually making revenue. So it, the reason, like, honestly, I'd be way more negative. They've made, let's see where it falls the estimate. Let's just call it 10. That's a lot of annualized revenue. But let's see. Anyway, we ended up on different sides. All good. Recommendations and small wins? Yeah, I can go. go. So I, have, go? I can go. I have two, two podcasts. One is um, C2F, uh, the FinTech 101 podcast, this founder called C2FO. No, C2, company called C2FO, Sandy Kemper. And it's, I just, I'm, because I, I'm recommending it because it's a fascinating business model. So what C2FO does is they build a, a layer for accounts receivables or accounts payables, depending on what side it is, right? So mm. most big companies give terms to their suppliers, 60-day terms. So of when you supply today, right. you get paid in 60 days. The platform that they build allows companies to um, bid to be paid sooner or to be paid later, stuff like that. So I can say, Ooh, hey, Amazon owes smart. me $10 million. If Amazon paid me today, I would take 9.5 because that because what the alternative the suppliers have to do is go get credit. Go to a bank and get credit. At so, some interest rate fee. At some interest rate fee, right? Ah. To get that thing. So it's like, it kind of balances out. So it's a financing platform, but these guys don't buy the debt. So there are not many account receivable startups that go and buy accounts receivable. So you can buy accounts receivable. So I can go to a, an Amazon supplier and buy the accounts receivable and pay them a, a fraction for it. But I take on the debt. These guys take on none of the debt or none of the risk. Oh, okay, okay. And and the the counterparty is not on the platform at all. So Amazon is not on the platform at all. It's no, just the counterparty. The, the, the counterparty is on the platform. So this well, is actually well, what role will Amazon play? They'll get paid by the person that buys it. So let, let's I mean, example. Amazon so they, will pay the person. That... They they have Costco as a customer. This is a real example. Yeah. Costco, right, has suppliers where they buy stuff from. Uh, let's say supplier supplier A. 
Costco has a supply A provides something to Costco for $10 million, mm -hmm. right? 60 mm. day terms. They're going to pay in 60 mm. days. Supply A needs money because they need to turn over inventory, whatever. They don't wait for 60 supply, days. <laughs> supply A tells Costco, hey, instead of 10 million, why don't I reduce the price to 9.5 if you pay me on 10 days terms, right? Mm -hmm. I'll give you a discount on 10 days terms. Then Costco sees that offer and then pays. The platform that enables that transaction to happen, right? So these guys sign up Costco, Costco's a supply center platform, and then they can negotiate and put up offers on their terms. So everybody's happy with the terms because if you're the supplier, you can go to another place um, and get credit for your business needs or you can just be like, I have all this money that is outstanding with credit worthy mm. people. Typically, they would have to sell it. The market was very opaque because it depends on who's buying, who's selling. Like if, I have to, if I'm a supplier, I'm selling accounts receivable. It's kind of like stressful. Versus if you're with mm. Amazon, you can be like, and Amazon gets to pay less because they're like, wait a minute. Even if I, the price is 10 million, if I pay you tomorrow, I pay 9 million? Shit, I didn't even know you needed money like that. <laughs> right? Um, That's very smart and it, idea. And it, and it nets out. And it's just a, it's a uh, mostly like, so, but this is done without taking on the credit. And I thought that was super interesting. It's, I'd never heard of it before. And I thought, wow. And then um, what's their monetization model? They take a percentage. They take of a percentage the, of the things. On of the, the transactions going across. The and area. they provide yeah, better sense. like revenue management for the company. So then once you have that, you basically, it has a customer acquisition built in. Because you, you you will get cost because the customer the, the suppliers come online because everybody gets value of it. Then their own suppliers come online, and then yeah, yeah, they yeah, want to yeah, see yeah. how much they're being. In fact, owed. the optimal customer acquisition strategy would be to go to the big company that has all the suppliers. That's They're exactly. All the, so you do it at the root. The root pulls all the branches. Yeah. They want to see and how much branches they're being pulls owed. all the roots. They want to see how much they're being owed across all the suppliers. See how much they're being owed across all the suppliers. Then I, I hope they already countries. have their own software to, to track that. God, no, I hope but, Costco already knows how no, much but, no, but, no, not Costco, not Costco. The supplier wants to see how much they're supplying, because the Costco supplying Amazon. And then they can see how much they can access based on how much their accounts receivable mm. are available, based on the suppliers mm. that are on the platform. So the more they get, the more they get. And they're because of these companies are global, they're in 180 countries, they do billions of dollars of financing. It's kind of wild because Costco has suppliers across the world. So the suppliers need their money okay. quickly. Anyways. So, so you weren't recommending the podcast. You were recommending the podcast episode where they interviewed the founder of this company, I guess. Yes, yes. Okay, 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 okay. So I'll put so a link cool. to it. I'm listening to that, please. I thought it was fascinating. That's right, um, up, right up my alley. Business models that I love. Uh, I'm just like, wow, this is actually like a problem that people have. Is like, how do you do accounts receivable and accounts payable? Mm. Um, mm. Second one is Invest Like the Best with Carol Canil Tambor. She's great. Um, she's, I don't know who that is. I know Invest Like the Best. Who's that? Yeah, she's CIO at uh, Bridgewater. Oh, um, yes. Yeah. One and only macro fund, among other things. One of the things I liked about it, I love listening to macro investors because they do what, I guess, maybe not common sense, what value investors say you shouldn't do, which is, you know, don't focus on the macro, focus on the actual business and the business properties. But these guys have made a lot of money doing macro and continue to make a lot of money doing macro. So I find it very much like just a maxim that there are, there are many ways, on Okon Waja in Yoruba timelines, there are many entrances <laughs> to the market. Is a common Yoruba saying? Oof. For sure. One of my favorite money doing macro. One of my favorite Mark Andreessen interviews was when people asked him, Oh, what other investors do you look out for or do you watch do you follow? I was like, oh, Warren Buffett. And, and he said, Oh, it's because he does the opposite. Like Warren Buffett believes nothing is ever gonna change. Therefore, yeah. I invest in Coke in nineteen eighty, I hold it forever because people like Coke in the eighties and the nineties mm -hmm. and forever, mm -hmm. versus Andreessen does the opposite. Like what is yeah. changing, therefore invest in this. So exactly mm -hmm. what you said. It's like yeah. they're both winning, but it's, it's their it's strategies winning. are almost diametrically opposed. But yeah, they're like winning they all the time. 
they would reject what the other person would invest in for the same reason the person would invest <laughs> in. In the 60s, you invest in Coca-Cola and Geico. Come on. Yeah. My, but is it like, what is this mess, right? It's the rejection. <laughs> yeah. And, or the vice versa. Like, Warren yeah. Buffett would be like, yeah, let's do something about this whole, like, open C NFT stuff. Yeah. Like, Warren Buffett isn't raising a crypto fund yeah. anytime soon. <laughs> exactly. Right? So you go back and forth and you realize that. So anyways, this was a macro. People don't talk about macro a lot. And Warren Buffett had a very interesting model. People don't talk smart about macro a lot. People talk about macro in the, in the abstract. Not about macro that drives investment decisions. The podcast is mm-hmm. great to see um, to see that happen. So I just I'm wow, just fascinated. That's that's that. so cool. I'm definitely going to check those out. Um, okay, so my recommendation. I have three recommendations. Funny enough, one of them was a recommendation Bankole made. We've had this happen like three times now. Yeah. We make the same recommendation because we listen to things at different times. Okay, first one is Kinky Boots. It's a musical in New York. I was in New York last weekend and we watched it. So good. Literally top five shows I've ever seen, and I've seen hundreds of shows at this point. Highly recommended. I'm not going to spoil it. Don't read what the show is about. Just watch it. If you read what it's about, the explanation of the show is sort of a spoiler. Because I, I okay. watch shows and movies and see everything I watch cold. So any movie I'm going to watch, I only check the IMDb score, then I watch it. Any TV show, I only check. So I, watch it cold. Highly recommended. If you're in New York, if you're not in New York, sorry. Um, two other things. Paying for status. It's this post about former McKinsey consultant, former former uh, Expedia head of loyalty. Pro- I think he mm-hmm. created the loyalty program at Expedia. And it was brilliant. He was talking about Marriott's um, new status strategy mm-hmm. and how the Marriott credit card with Amex and Chase is like an indication of how loyalty programs are evolving and changing over time. It was just brilliant. It's like, it talked What's a little bit about article? Amazon. It's called Pain for Status. Oh, very interesting. Um, it's, just, it's just brilliant. It talks a little bit about like Amazon Prime and how like businesses used to reward customers based on frequency of usage. Now they want customers mm-hmm. to pay for status and how, yeah. what status means. Different. It's, it's just like, cause I like status, uh, status, <laughs> I like yeah. uh, frequent flyer points. I like corporate finance. I like, pers- it's a combination of all the things I love. So highly recommend. And then the last one is the man who sold the market, um, Jim Simons and um, yeah. Bankley recommend, I think Jumia episode two, like two and a half yeah. years ago. Yeah. Not the best book I've ever read, but I like it um, because it goes into depth of a company I find really interesting. I will say if you had to pick more money than God is better because more money than God is like every different hedge fund and hedge funds over time. This is just like one of the most successful hedge funds and it goes deep on like Renaissance capital. So really good. But if you had to pick, do the other one, but this is a good second. It's nice. I I enjoyed it. Very, very short read. I read it in like three days. Short. I found that it went, it went, um, it went deep on the things that you could see versus the things that were interesting or things that you couldn't see. And I was kind of like, Spent so much time on like them going from PhD program to PhD program and meeting somebody. I was like, I really want to know how they make money and what there's different. And we didn't spend you enough time. You think if you knew that, you put it in the book? No, 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 no. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell me that this is the algorithm or this is thing. I just thought that there was there was more detail to be had there, and I don't know what I expected, but I expected a bit more detail on he that. And also, on, secret. and they lost some money in COVID. and lost some money recent. Lost some money just before the book came out or something. Or recent years, and I didn't see anything. Like, it's just stuff like that. Like I was looking for more color, but it was good. Yeah, yeah. It, it's the great thing about these kinds of firms is even if you lose money in one or two years, because the track record is so long, the weighted average mm-hmm. is still good. So like Warren Buffett is whatever 20, 22 percent annualized. Even if Warren did worse in the S and P this year, wouldn't matter because yeah. the thirty two year rolling average is still yeah. better. Now some people say, oh, let's only look at Warren's like over the past three years. No, no, no. Don't do it that way. Anyway, so yeah. good book. Um, and then, okay, small wins short, I finished an included VC fellowship about a few weeks ago. And it's basically, so VC is like trying to get more minority mm-hmm. people interested in VC. 
Amazing, amazing. Highly recommended. Anyone who wants to learn more, email me, Illumina Affordability. Had a lot of fun meeting just cool people from around the world. And it's like young people interested in tech. We're all sort of the same family. So yeah, yeah. really, really good experience. Yeah, very interesting. Um, mine is like I'm, 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 I've been planning. I have a bunch of upcoming travel planned. Um, oh, even, even now you're in podcast. travel now. If you live, yeah, if you listen to the podcast, um, I mean, I mean, over the next before the end of the year, I mean, Kenya, I'm in South Africa. I'm in uh, Nigeria. So if you're in any of those cities, uh, definitely drop me an email. Bank of Africa, we can talk. But the planning of the trips have been fun with a bunch of friends. I mean, a bunch of friends. Just just that stuff. Like we haven't really hung out like this since Unilag days. So it's a bunch of Unilag friends from all over the world. Uh, oh, it's so group travel. It's group, part of it is group travel. Part of it is personal travel. Um, but yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, Dude, that's awesome. Do you want to give the specific cities, not just the countries? Oh, oh, I'm, oh I'm in Nairobi. I'm in Nairobi. Nairobi. I'm in Cape Town. And I'm in Lagos. So okay, okay. any of those cities over the next couple of weeks, uh, ping me. I think I probably start heading out next week or in two weeks from now. And then I'm touching every single one of them over the next couple of weeks. And yeah, Nice. So. I saved you a bunch so, of emails from people in Oyo and Undo. Who you're yeah, not going to be in those. Sadly, I'm not going to be, be, <laughs> not gonna be in Oyo and Undo. But I would will, I will, I will love to check out Undo, though. <laughs> for the food the, the for euro is dope we'd love to check out Undo Undo is fire alright um, that's a good way to end alright all right, cool thanks for listening we'd love to hear from you if you have any feedback topics you'd like to hear or just want to say hello please email info at afferability.com thanks <laughs>